The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hey everybody, it's your friendly neighborhood Radicat here with a quick note before the show. So we had some, um, let's say some issues with this week's show. And you will hear mentions of going to the video version. There isn't a video version this week because of reasons. We also had some audio issues during the course of the show that unfortunately uh, can't get, that I couldn't get uh, cleaned up any. So, but hopefully next week's show will be a lot cleaner and a lot straighter. And we will definitely hopefully have a video version, version for the next episode. There's reasons for that. I'm just going to blame Bat man fans maybe they didn't like what i was saying about them early on in the show who knows but regardless there is no video version and the audio is all spotty in places so hopefully you can bear with us and everything will be square next week but it's still a good show and there is still if i'm not mistaken a content warning on when we talk about the beginning of identity crisis in that there is some uh, there is basically a scene of a sexual assault. So if you are sensitive to that, you know, kind of be wary of that. Uh, I don't have a timestamp on me, unfortunately, when I'm doing this. So I probably should have put that down. Uh, but but we don't linger on it. So just uh, go with that. Uh, but with that, with that uh, enjoy the show. We'll see you folks next week for another show. And um, hopefully better audio and video. Peace. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Rodicat, and you can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at NewsNerdsNeed on Twitter. You can also find me at CBCaps on Instagram. And that sound effect that you hear was provided by none other than our man in Brooklyn, uh, Gothamite's own agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, never refer to New York as Gotham. <laughs> New York is New York. Now, see, Jeff Brooklyn! And What's up, you- y'all? And if you ever want to know of a way to get to a a, a, a New York-based uh, comic book fan, you do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're Batman, uh, Batman like true Batman diehards, and they don't mind. Well, I feel like those people are in their own uh, asylum. Anyway. So, <laughs> but, uh, yes, uh, we are here tonight, uh, and you can find us at... Uh, the Cold Slither Podcast Network. Guess what, folks? If you don't know the, the website by now, cspn.us. Do it today. You could also find us at um, 
your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, whether it be Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, whether it be Spotify, whether it be the Cold Slither Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Um, yeah. And, uh, folks, we got a, I dare say, a treat for you tonight, but we'll, I will wait and put on and maybe I should like get off of Twitter because man the news about the this uh, EA event is going to be troubling for me so I'm just going to get off of that real quick live recording folks um wait what'd you say oh I think you muted I cannot hear you so Nothing? Oh, there we go. Now I can hear you. There we go. I was just going to say, is it a Star Wars thing? Uh, there was, a, and actually there's some news about it, so yes. Okay. Uh, but I think, there, but also there's some more stuff that they they were talking about, I believe, but I didn't, I don't know. Um, that's the only one I pulled, because it was re- relative. But before we, actually we'll probably get to that in a minute, because we're going to get into the news. Okay. <laughs> Hmm. That's that's going to be kind of weird. I don't know. Your your audio is kind of cutting now for some reason. Yeah, that weird echo. Yeah, but that I'm sure it will work itself out like it always does. First of all, we start off with the cinematic news. Uh, first off, how a key piece of Rogue One made it into the Clone Wars. Um, and I have not, still have not finished my rewatch of Clone Wars, so yeah, it it, it is what it is on that one. But apparently, if, <laughs> if this if this picture is uh, to be believed, it has something to do with the um, with um, Donnie Yen and I guess his uh, his the order of uh, believers that were on uh, that was in Rogue One. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it says it's but, pretty. Take it from me; it's pretty cool. Okay. Like it comes as a, it comes at a turning point, and it's pretty shocking. Mm. So, no, not shocking, surprising. I don't want to mischaracterize it. It's definitely sure. surprising. Sure, sure. And actually, I might have slightly sported myself on it, but uh, it, but now it just makes uh, seeing that one phrase just makes sense. Yeah. Mm. But when it comes up, you'll be like, oh, right, you know, and just like actually surprised yeah like i didn't yeah i didn't read what happened but i saw the one key phrase the one phrase that i figured would have been partially to do with it and i'm like okay sure that makes sense i i will get there when i get there and actually it shouldn't be too much longer so i still got another season and a half to do anyway um so yeah there is that you will we will um we'll we'll push that along for those of you who know already know about that and those who want to read it later in the show notes Hey, I'm not spoiling it for you. Anyway, next up, uh, Mark Hamill cops to ad-libbing an iconic Star Wars line, and George Lucas let him keep it. I'm waiting for the article to load and see what it is uh, he ad-libbed. Oh, it's Luke's line in A New Hope. I can't see a thing in this helmet was not scripted. Mark Hamill said this to Harrison Ford when he thought the cameras had stopped rolling. They, however, decided to leave it in. Okay. Right. Because, you know, he being a little short for a stormtrooper and all. Right. You know. But that's kind of cool. And like, yeah. And actually, that I'm, I would be surprised if no one actually has, like, I feel like this came up before, but maybe not. It probably hasn't. Um, 
but it's kind of one of those things like yeah nobody would have mentioned something like that so that was mm-hmm. pretty cool but again but then again since he did it and the thing i said they thought people thought it was a stroke of genius and it was written that way no mark hamill just did it himself next up um t- so what that's the way it works yeah pretty much uh tenet and wonder woman 1984 release dates have been delayed again uh let's see uh, wait, a wait a second wait a second uh try as uh christopher nolan might right yeah yeah pretty much so oh, let's see tenant was originally set for uh july 17th and wonder woman's as we talked about last week had our original um date had already passed within the last week to before that uh, it says here that Tenet is now set to arrive in stores two weeks later on July 31st. And I think Wonder Woman is like November? Oh, say August. That's right. Because we don't talk about that. August 14th. We talked about. Oh, wait. No. It says August 14th. Uh, the next chapter will now open on October 7th. So it's actually been moved from August to October right. 2nd. Um, so there you go. There is that, folks. And apparently Aunt Jemima, Aunt Jemima Brandon logo has been retired because Quirk Road said, hey, they were racist. <laughs> Gosh, it's a little late. Yeah, but, really. uh, but anyway, next up. <laughs> it's one of those better late than never. Um, also, Uncle Ben's and uh, Mrs. Butterworth, which I thought right. they had been done, uh, Mrs. Butterworth, but okay. I was about to say, Mrs. Butterworth. I think even more so than actually, no, I can't say more so than Aunt Jemima. But when I remember when Mrs. Butterworth was introduced, and I was like, "Wow, mm-hmm. it's just a caricature." Because the bottle was a caricature, basically. But I thought they had changed. I felt like they had changed that like a few years back, but apparently not. So, and it's just well because I don't use. I mean, I don't use a uh, Mrs. Butterworth because it's not great syrup. Anyway, next up, back, I was about to say I remember. I remember trying it back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Next up, there is a rumor that Bruce Timm is helming a new animated Batman film. Uh, Batman the Animated Series co-creator Bruce Timm may be returning to the world of the Dark Knight in 2021. As a rumor suggests, Timm is helming a new direct-to-video animated movie called Batman Soul of the Dragon. Mm-mm-mm. According to, what is this, the GWW? Uh, Geese Worldwide. Oh, Geeks Worldwide. The film will be an Elseworlds tale that will put more emphasis on Batman's martial arts training. The plot of the movie allegedly focuses on Batman and fellow martial artists Richard Dragon, Bronze Tiger, and Lady Shiva, uh, none of whom are Asian, uh, who were all trained by the same sensei who mysteriously vanished. However, when a cursed artifact reappears, the four do battle to gain control of it. Okay. Wait, I thought they ended up making Richard Dragon like actually Asian at some point. I don't know. DC's history is real stupid. We talked about this already. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um. So next up, hold on, my audio. Oh, let's see. Oh, well, while he's doing that, uh, yes, folks. Actually, I will go ahead and take. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not taking that next one, <laughs> even though it is related. Uh, Snyder Cut, first look. Wonder Woman discovers Darkseid in new Justice League clip. 
Um, so yeah, the, the Zack Snyder debuted uh, today, actually, as of this recording, or uh, the date of this recording. Uh, debuted a sneak peek of the mystical Snyder cut uh, from his Justice League, you know, cut. The new footage it runs about thirty four seconds. Put spotlights on Gal Gadot's uh, Wonder Woman as he comes across an artifact in a cave dwelling, uh, in a cave dwelling. In point, uh, before the clip cuts to the, the villainous dark side, Jesse Eisenberg's Les Luthor ominously narrates, "The bells have already rung, and they've heard it." I, 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 you know what? I still hate that part of the the movie, the end of the movie. Um, hate that's just a strong word. I just dislike it very strongly. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Sorry about that. My uh, my audio settings got all wonky for a second. It's all good, but um, but yeah, that was the, I think this is the same line that he spoke in at the end of um, um, uh, Bats Beef Soups, if I'm not mistaken, or at the end of Justice League. One of them two. I don't care. They run together. No, it was I think it was at the end of uh, Justice League actually. Um, all right. So it, yeah, yeah. look right. So what? You just did the first look story. I just did the first look. Yeah. Okay. So did you watch the first look at all? No, I don't care. <laughs> well, it was interesting. Yeah, maybe it was later. In, you know, that's about it. That's all I can say about it. That's interesting. Sure. Uh, well, I still, I still have a problem whether they're going to do. It's like really, they're going to just opt in because I don't feel. I've, you know, we talked about this last week about. It was like, yeah, the, he had said he was going to put Dark Side. You know, make a Dark Side kind of peep in for real quick. I'm like, I don't know if that was actually something he meant to do or if this is something like well since. Since he can do it now, he can say he put it was intended to put it in, which is kind of silly. But regardless, it doesn't matter. Next I understand. Up. Next up, Zack Snyder reveals which Robin the DCEU Joker actually killed. An Easter egg in Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice implied that Robin was already dead in the DC Extended Universe. Thanks to director Zack Snyder, we now know which Robin met his maker. And this is... Uh, he should have left his mouth closed. Yeah, it's ugh, it's just lame. So, answering fans' questions on Vero, the hell is Vero? Oh, Vero, well, first of all, Vero is one of those ones that's like, oh, is that still around, actually? That's kind of funny. Um, okay. So, Vic, Vero is basically a Twitter-like, but it has some other features, sort of. Okay. Actually, more, it's like kind of a mix between... Inst- more Instagram than Twitter, actually. Alrighty. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, it is and, what it and, is. I understand. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in any event, uh, Snyder confirmed on Vero that Dick Grayson is the Robin that died prior to the events of Dawn of Justice, and that it is his suit. It is his suit that hangs in the Batcave. This clears up earlier comments from Suicide Squad director David Ayer who gave the impression that Jason Todd was dead, which is the way it should have been as it was in the comics. All I have to say is uh, Zack Snyder. (laughs) Seriously, that's lame. That's really lame. Yeah, yeah. So, and congrats. Y'all still want that stupid Snyder cut. Moving right on. Exactly. You wanted it, and now look at what you got. Now you're probably going to gnash your teeth over this stuff, too, because we all know that it was supposed to be Jason Todd. We all know that, you know, Nightwing is supposed to exist. So apparently Nightwing exists as another in another form in the DCEU now. It's just lame. Just, you know, as and, and, I, and I always jokingly refer to this. 
shout out to uh, Eclectic at uh, the Eclectic Discussion Podcast nowadays. Um, and I and I and I always love to quote him. DC stays losing. Hashtag DC stays losing. Mm. Indeed, indeed, and yeah, and we and actually we don't even know if Nightwing actually does exist. Right. So, and if he does, it's going to be in a different form. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, um, moving right along. Batman artist uh, Jorge Jimenez will take the spotlight in a DC Universe documentary. So, uh, current Batman series artist Jorge Jimenez is the subject of a biographical documentary debuting debuting later this month on DC Universe streaming service, and it's titled Visionaries, featuring Jorge Jimenez. I hope that's how he spells his name. I mean, how he says his name, because I'm not trying to be messing up the dude's name. Right. Um, Every once in a while, you run into someone who who pronounces that as George. Right. And I was like, and I can't remember if it's if if the which which case it is. So, if it is George, I apologize. If it's Jorge, then eh, I apologize also. Well, I don't apologize because I was right when I said it. If I said it, ah. anyway. Um, the hour-long documentary delves into Jimenez's background as a lifelong fan of comic books growing up in Spain. Uh, and his dream to draw them professionally. Uh, a goal he's achieved with stints on Super Sons, Earth 2, Justice League, and more. Uh, it will also explore Jimenez's artistic process in creating comic book pages. And then it just goes into uh, a description on it. So that's cool. That sounds like something, I guess, they're just, maybe that's a new series they're starting up on there. Um, mm-hmm. A la, well, a la any other documentaries that, are, that have done similar things. Oh, cool. Next up. All right, so we are to comment. We are uh, transition. Oh, <laughs> uh, this. So this is basically a um, a uh, an update to news from last week, actually. In that, uh, and actually, there's been some news since because. Uh, so last week we talked about Miles Morales is um, is going to get a is going to star in a sequel to the Spider-Man PS4 game. Uh, it came out like right after we finished recording. That is not necessarily a new new sequel, but an expansion to PS4's uh, Spider-Man that just censors on Miles. But now uh, they're saying that. It is and it isn't. So it's basically um, a smaller standalone game, according to Insomniac, the, the developers of this game. So it will follow the longs, the lines of if you are a video game player and played the Uncharted series, this is like the Lost Legacy, or if you've played Insomniac's um, uh, in um, um, eh, great um, shoot. There was another game. There was another game series that Insomniac has done. Um, Infamous. Yeah, if you've played Infamous, which is basically probably the impetus as to how they even got the Spider-Man game in the first place, because it was a um, video game based on kind of people getting powers. Uh, but they did like a little standalone side um, side thing that was actually not bad. And this is going to be pretty much like that. So while it is not a full you know, full sequel game uh, to starring Miles. It is his own game. It is it is standalone, 
and it's not going to be like um, just just an add-on to PS4 to the PS4 one. Right, and in the new uh, the new update, actually clarified something about status of Peter. Uh, yes, um, and it does, and yeah, if you haven't finished the game or uh, and or played the game and don't want to be spoiled, we, uh, we'll, we'll leave that there. Right. So, next up. Okay, next. Star Wars leaks. An official reveal is coming June 15th with past. Yep. So yeah, June fifteenth came and uh, they uh, and they did reveal it on. Tw- um, well, and I saw it on Twitch, but um, and there was a gameplay trailer that actually happened. Uh, um, let's see, because that was on. Yeah, that was on the fifteenth when the, the when the gameplay tra- when the game trailer came out. And tonight, as of just going on to the next story. Um, when the teaser trailer came out earlier this week, tonight, as of this recording, EA has put out another gameplay footage uh, trailer showing off some of the action. So if you don't know about Star Wars Squadrons, if you hadn't heard about it, it's sounds like it is kind of X, um, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter-ish, if mm-hmm. you know those games from back in the day. Uh, it is 5 on 5 Squadron... It's a five-on-five game, basically. There's going to be a single player, and there's going to be some multiplayer, obviously, because this game's kind of right, you know, right for that. But yeah, you 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 uh, you um, you're on a team of five, either rebellion or or um, um, imperial imperial um, ships fighters, and you're fighting against each other. Uh, and it sounds like it is set right after Return of the Jedi. So this is basically like, hey, you know, the the Empire has fallen at that time, but there's still some resistance pockets, or some pockets of resistance in the uh, from the from the Empire, and this is where this um, set takes place. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm kind of excited for this. Like, I probably I may or may not do much of the multiplayer, and if it's anything like. Uh, some of the stuff that they put in that last Battlefront 2 game as far as the um, the, the dogfighting, it's probably going to be pretty good. So, and I haven't seen the, the, the gameplay trailer that they put in tonight because of this, but, you know, uh, I am sure it is going to delight. Boop. Oh, that's what the EA stuff that you were watching. Okay, right, yeah. So EA does this thing called the uh, EA Play tonight because E3. So E3 would have been happening. Actually, probably would have been finishing up by now. Uh, and you know the the game companies would have all you know talked about stuff that they're releasing in the next year. Sony's already done one, and that's why how we got the mouse stuff. Uh, and I think EA is doing EA did that tonight, and like Nintendo and a couple other people are doing something like you know later in the month. So or in the next month or so in lieu of the fact that E3 is not happening right now so that's all next up alrighty this September we'll be going back and putting the man back in Iron Man acclaimed writer and Sir Christopher Campbell Dr. Doom Alt and Catch Fire and international artist Kev the Jane Foster will be bringing 
There's a new age, including an all of armor, legendary Marvel, Alex Ross. Hmm. Okay, you you were cutting in and out, but for the most part, we heard you. I'm hoping that's not on my end. I just heard. Hmm. But yeah, while he's doing that, um, so yeah, Christopher Cantwell, Cantwell, um, the the writer of Doctor Doom, is writing this, and I think he was on. I don't know if this has his tweet on. Let's see. Yeah, this this article doesn't have his tweet, but he put out a tweet and uh, says something like, um, "All armor characters can come through me," or something like that, from now on or something. But it was kind of cute because he had, I think, he had a picture of Iron Man and Doctor Doom, and you know, or I think he might have even had the fish, fish, the fish figures of those characters when he put that tweet out. So, uh, yeah, I guess um, he's got Doctor Doom now. He's got Iron Man since uh, since. Um, slot tech out of it, and Kafu is a good artist, so at least we know the art's gonna be good, right? Um, but yeah, moving right along, uh, Marvel Rescript schedules new Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Juggernaut, Marvel Zombies Resurrection titles for September. Um, Marvel Comics is uh, oh, yes, this is what I hate about uh, talk on games radar and news, I mean, news radar getting swept under the news anyway. Sorry. Uh, Marvel Comics has unveiled an early look at several upcoming titles from the publishers impending September 2020 solicitations, which I think are out at this point. I'm not sure. I didn't check, but I know DCs are out. Uh, including several rescheduled debuting series that were delayed as a result of COVID-19. Um, the aforementioned Black, Black Widow number one, Shang-Chi number one, Juggernaut number one, and Marvel Zombies Resurrection number one and two for September following delays to their planned releases dates. Uh, an advanced copy of Black Widow No. 1 was least released to select retailers on May 27th. Um, and additionally, they have solicited the seventh issue of Doctor Doom ongoing for September, which I'm surprised they hadn't um, killed that by now, but I guess you know, certain ones from certain people won't get the boot. That's always fun. Yay. Next up... All right, next up. I'm still hearing the echo. Hmm. Maybe that's on my end. Hold on a second. Let me, if you still hear it, I'm going to mute myself. Let me see if you still hear it. Go. Check one, check. I still hear it. Yeah, not sure what that is then. Not sure. It's kind of a no. Because I don't, you know, it, it's tough. So, uh, take my headphones off. Eat this. Marvel's X. X-Men crossover have expanded from what X-Line editor Jordan D. White described to Newsarama, the 15-part story initially, with a new checklist over showing 24 parts with more potentially in the wings. X of Swords is what we have always thought of as a classic X crossover, White told Newsarama in March 2020. Following the event's announcement at C2E2, it's a 15-part story that crosses the entire line. It's a big story that affects all of the X-World, so it's only right it jump into every book. White also described X of Swords as having 15 parts in the event's initial C2E2 announcement, so apparently it is growing in scope. Yay. 
I guess. I don't know. We don't know what this is going to be, but if it's anything like Hoxbox, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be some, some stuff. <laughs> I hope. I hope it's like Hoxbox. That's all we can ask for. I mean, at this point, yeah, you're right. You're right. And actually, and it looks like there is attached the, um, the, the checklist. Oh, no, I'm saying, okay, let me back up. There we go. Um, yeah, there's a checklist that was attached to this article about the reading order. Uh, and you can see it here if you're watching the video, which, hey, guess what? If you're not watching the video, do so sometimes because, you know, you see some stuff. Next up, uh, so Dave, there is a X-Men's Artifact Edition for Dave Cockrum and that is being released and it is being signed and numbered. Um, it says, uh, an incredible selection of pages from every issue of Dave's first X-Men, uh, giant size number one and 97 through 107. Uh, this book is jam-packed with amazing and uh, historically important pages, tons of covers, model sheets, and design pages, sketches, as well as a stunning fold-out uh, featuring the double sprays, the double page spread from X-Men number 100. Additionally, there's a wonderful introduction, introduction written by Chris Claremont, his collaborator on these stories. Um, plus a touching afterward by longtime friend Clifford Meth. It is 125... Oh, wait, excuse me. The, there are 125 copies that are going to be uh, sold. And the features a signature plate that's signed and numbered by Chris Claremont and is presented with a gorgeous virgin, quote-unquote, wraparound cover by Cockrum. Uh, and that should be sometimes it looks like it's 160 pages and sometimes it's a month or I guess wow. it might be already out I'm not sure so yeah they're, they're doing it out for this next up alright next up Sharon Arnold September's tie-in one which gives immortal treatment immortal Hulk Joe Bennett can that the series will critically acclaimed with its 50th issue. It is unclear new creative take over new title during the character eventually launched. Yeah, so sad to see a Mortal Hulk end, but you know we had no it had to go with someone. This is a br- probably so what? It's not for another step. Like sometime in. Tw- I mean, true, but it's still sad to see it come to end because it's been good. I mean, and I, I don't doubt that it was still going to continue to be good up until that point. Right. But it's, so, a, but it's also a longer run than, than a lot of books. Get. Say what? I was going to think by, uh, by more than 50 issue. Run. Yeah. Like, there's, uh, this, is, this is probably a bigger run than a whole lot of books have been getting. So, you know, thankful for that. Absolutely. Um, next up. Uh, Empire Marvel teases a secret aftermath for the Kree Scroll Emperor. So Marvel's released a Jim Chung spoiler cover for September's Empire Aftermath Avengers number one, featuring Hulkling, uh, the new emperor of the combined Kree and Scroll nations. The cover finds Hulkling as the lone figure displayed, uh, with the rest of the characters blacked out to keep their identities hidden. However. Hulkling appears to be standing in front of someone in a romantic embrace. I mean, it's not like we don't know who that could possibly be. <laughs> uh, which potentially means he's re- reunited with his longtime boyfriend and teammate on the 
the Younger Avengers reunited. They never really left each other, so I'm not sure what that means unless something happens in... No, they did. In Incoming. They did? Mm-hmm. When Teddy goes into the stars to become the Emperor. Hmm. That's... Well, okay. That that being the case, then some stuff from Strike Force kind of is weird timing then, but we won't have to get into that. Because mm-hmm. now that you say that, you're right, but at the same time, it's like, well, there's some stuff that has happened since that, that would kind of go against that, let's say. I took my headphones off just for a second. Did you mention that this article was written by our very own Tim Adams, Tim Dog 98 I did not, but you've done that. There you go. <laughs> just checking. No, no, you're good. Um, but yes, there is that. Next up... Alrighty, next up, uh, I, w- I kind of wish I had a clip of that Shots song, um, but you know what we do for Shots, and I will spin it up in a second. Um, Marvel Comics' prolific purveyors of variant covers have announced a new program of 10 variants designed to highlight not specific characters or events, but a certain day of the week. A selection of Marvel titles shipping on July 15th, including Empire No. 1 and Giant Size X-Men Magneto No. 1, will be available with covers featuring, in large block letters, the text, On Sale Wednesday. The back cover to each issue will reiterate the Wednesday on sale date and include a spot for stores to add their information. And, uh... You know, that's essentially Marvel taking a shot at DC with on-sale Wednesday variant covers as a result of DC's decision to move its on-sale dates for, or at least to ask that its on-sale date for its books be on Tuesday. So, uh, as I said, shots fired. Right, which we will get into a little bit of, a little bit more on that in a minute. Which, And I think they've been kind of already been doing that. DC's been already been doing that with Tuesday because I know there's some stuff that's that's been out on Tuesdays that oh yeah um that I noticed but so yeah that's this is this is Marvel shot 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 everybody anyway exactly that's what I was thinking oh man it's it's a shame I don't have that clip but I have you know actual shots being fired exactly next up. Uh, Marvel Unlimited offers free comics by black creators, uh, and it is a fairly decent list. Although there, I could I could see there's a couple of things that could have been or should have been on there. Personally, um, the full list is here on this article, which I will not go into, but I will take note of uh, uh, a couple here and there, uh, which is Truth, Red, White, and Blue, Black, uh, which was um, which was. Um, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, a miniseries from, from back in the day. It's a really good one. Uh, Damage Control, the original Damage Control. Uh, I, I love, I absolutely love Damage Control. Uh, and it's because of that. Uh, shout out to Julian McDuffie. Uh, also, rest in peace. Um, let's see. The, the Shuri series, or at least the, the first part of the, the Shuri series, uh, the, black, the first part of um, the Black Panther, the client from Priest. Um, the, the first arc of, of his run, which I always tell you the, the, the definitive run of Black Panther. You know, there's some Arian Hart in here, Deathlock, Mosaic, uh, Power Man and Iron Fist, uh, the, um, the, the Sanford Green and uh, the David F. Walker run. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Panther and the crew, which died way too soon, and, and I'm still upset about that one. They don't have the actual The Crew, though, on here, which is weird. Well, isn't The Crew but, book... Wait, wait, the Crew book in one of the adult books? Um, Like a Max book? I believe so, and I believe... I'm trying to remember the creative team may not have been black. I don't know. No, what I was going to say is... Right, what I was going to add, though, is there's few of those books on Marvel Unlimited, if any. Yeah. X-Book, so that would explain that. Yeah, maybe. That's true. Also, Adam, Legend of the the Blue Marvel, which we talked talked a little bit about last week. So, yeah, there's some stuff out there there for free so y'all can check out at your leisure. Um, Go forth. Oh, there's also Captain America, Black Panther, Flags of Our Father, which I feel like I've read before, but I don't remember. So maybe worth rereading, I don't know. Anyway, next up. Next up in sad news... Uh, Dennis J. Denny O'Neill died this past week at the age of 81, as confirmed by his family. The legendary comic book writer died at home of natural causes on the night of June 11th. O'Neill was best known for his work on Batman, which included writing Batman Detective Comics and Batman Legends of the Dark Knight, as well as editing DC's Batman titles from 1986 to 2000. He, editor Julius Schwartz, and artist Neil Adams are credited for guiding the Dark Knight back to his darker roots after a period of campiness brought on by the success of the Adam West 1960s Batman TV series. During his time on Batman, he created slash co-created Raish Al Ghul, which is how it was to be pronounced, (laughs) Talia Al Ghul, Leslie Tompkins, Azrael, and Richard Dragon. He was also involved in the revitalization of the Joker and Two-Face as modern DC villains and oversaw the death of Jason Todd, the second Robin. Uh, He did also have uh, some Marvel work. Um, He did write Daredevil. He had an extended run on Daredevil and did some other stuff at Marvel as well. Yep. And uh, speaking of Sanford Green, uh, when this news came out... um uh, Sanford and Green, shout out to Sanford Greed, uh, um, you know, former guest of the show, put out this panel that uh, uh, Mr. O'Neill wrote from Green Lantern. Uh, that's kind of still hitting, I guess. So it, if you're watching the video, you can see said uh, said said uh, panel, and it's basically Green Hal Jordan Green Lantern talking to, talking to this old black man, and this old black man was like. Yeah, I've been reading about you. How how you work for the blue skins? How you work for the orange? Skin, how you help the orange skins and the purple skins? But there's one skins that you never bothered with, the black skins. And I want to know how come? Answer that, Mister Green Lantern. And then uh, you know, and Hal just hangs his head down and is like, I I can't. I want to say that's from the first appearance of John Stewart. Hmm. Think. Either that or maybe one of the early issues of the Hard Traveling Heroes. That's that Green Arrow, Green Lantern book. Um, um, and I think that might be the case because in that last panel you see Green Arrow. Right. No, I mean, I'm, I'm sure of that because it's Neil Adams' art. I'm sure of that. I just can't remember for sure if it's from the issue where Jon Stewart, is, you know, his first appearance is made. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just a, you know, like I said, it's just a, a, a I just can't remember at this point. So. Sure, 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 sure. So, yeah, there is that. And with that, 
Um, I'll go ahead and take this one. The comic book industry, industry mourns the death of Denny O'Neill. Yeah, there, because there was a lot of, outside of uh, Sanford Green, there was a lot of other people, you know, uh, sending their condolences out on Twitter and talking about the impact to uh, that in Denny O'Neill had on comics. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's some stuff from, from, from Jim Lee and Tom King and, you know, people obviously, you know, with showing pictures of... Um, uh, of them, I think the Tim, uh, Tom King has a picture of him with that hardcore traveling heroes uh, book that you're talking about, uh, and a bunch of others did. You know, uh, said said their condolences and, and what they what he meant to them or, or into the comic industry. So you can go uh, check that out um, out there on the the uh, on CBR. Next up. Or on Twitter, if you actually was there to see when all that happened. Next up. Right. Uh, next up, uh, Batman Catwoman is outside the bounds of continuity, says Batman writer James Tinian IV. Um, he says that writer Tom King and Ars Clayman's long-in-development 12-issue limited series Batman Catwoman, which involves Catwoman being pregnant, with Batman's baby is moving outside the bounds of continuity and won't have an effect on his ongoing run on the core title. Okay, way to, uh, you know, drop that little bit, that little nugget on a book that you're not writing. Okay. Yeah, and also, like, well, why not? Like, why, why is it that? I know, and I know there are probably a long time, you know, crazy Batman fans who are like, why is he together with the birthday? Why is this a thing? It doesn't make any sense. Like characters, you know. You know what? Nope. Not getting into that. Not getting into that. This yeah. is. It just seems silly. Um. Anyway. Uh. Speaking of Batman, DC just revealed the Joker treatment plan. Uh. I guess this is a. Oh, this is contains spoilers from the story Scars by Scott Snyder. It's not Scott Snyder. Uh. Jack David Baron and Tom. Napoleano from the Joker 80th anniversary basically so apparently one of the stories in the Joker's 80th anniversary special reveals that Gotham City has developed a means of trying to help people overcome the trauma of encountering the Joker even if the Joker's victims don't always want to accept treatment um and yeah I guess this story kind of goes into whatever that treatment plan is but you know I'm like it's kind of like that. I'm not going to go into it. But yeah, I guess they have a, a, a sort of a, a recoup for when folks uh, encounter the Joker. And actually, it's kind of funny because something we'll probably be talking about in Identity Crisis because there, there's some things that the books don't, don't really talk about is the cleanup afterwards. And I guess right. this kind of goes into some of that on one end of it. So. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. I agree with that. Next up, all right, next up, uh, Nightwing, Lex Luthor, and the new writer take over Justice League title for Death Metal crossover. Flash writer Joshua Williamson will be taking over DC's Justice League title in September, just in time for a five-part tie-in to the concurrent Dark Knight's Death Metal event titled Doom Metal. Nightwing's on a mission to free the Legion of Doom from perpetuous clutches, but to do so, well, he's alive... Scott Snyder, uh, whatchamacallit, Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But to do so, he'll need the help of none other than 
Lex Luthor reads DC solicitation for the kickoff issue number 53. The surprises are only just beginning as Nightwing, Lex, and the new Justice League must fight their way through an Earth twisted by the dark multiverse. Titans will be tested, hearts will be broken, and blood will be spilled. Okay. You know, uh, you know, uh, trying to quote, um, uh, man, King Theoden from uh, Lord of the Rings, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing- I did... Watch, I did watch Fellowship of the Ring recently. As I a, did, on, too. And it, Wait, was it based off of what we were talking about last week or the week before last, whatever it was? Thing. Yeah, yeah, the Josh Gad thing. Yeah, 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 yeah the reunion. That was I did fun. the exact same thing, yeah. I almost, I almost actually sat through all three of them, but I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Oh, I only did the first one. Yeah, same here. Yeah. According to DC, the client is to the larger death soliciting that issue just the arc will directly impact the finale of that event. So, yeah. So, uh, it always is funny to me. Like, so, if you folks remember, and you probably want to, because it's been a few months, but Lex Luthor was pretty much at the head of uh, basically a damn near a near crisis in Justice League. We might as well say, with the, that whole business with Perpetua and his whole Apex Predator thing that he's on the ground. I don't know if that's still in play or not. I have no idea. So, now all no. of a sudden. Done. They, though that's been undone, right? Because they brought John Jones back. Oh, right. Oh, right. But I thought he was still like palish. No, no, I guess I guess not. Yeah, that would have. That's right. I do remember that part. Okay. So they basically split him again. All right, cool. Anyway, the, regardless, the the fact that he goes from doing all of that to where it's like, y'all, guess they need my help now again. It, it's kind of funny. This this you know. So yeah. Next up. Um, enter the new DCU in Dark Knight's Death Metal number one, nine page preview, and 13 covers. So, yeah, this is a, a nine page preview of said thing, which oh, that's, I guess we would get into that when we get into books, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. So, we, with, uh, we'll save that for then. But, yeah, so this is a preview article for, for those who haven't read it yet and are somewhat interested in this. Which I feel like Dark's nice metal in itself already needed guitar riffs right behind it. Like every time you say it, like some Wild Stallion style. <laughs> I need now, that sound effect. That's what I need. To I know, right? Uh, and then, and of course, now that they've upped it to Dark Knight's death metal, just like <laughs> you know, I don't know, just something going in there. Don't don't clip that out. But anyway, next up. <laughs> All right. What are we up to? Uh, oh, DC Jokers. Souvenir player card, playing card, with each issue of Batman The Three Jokers. DC is offering a free souvenir playing card with the purchase of each issue of Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok's Batman The Three Jokers Prestige Limited Series. But of course, while supplies last, Fabok is doing the art on the free souvenir playing card. And if anybody who's ever read Emperor Joker would probably ask, or unless they've actually did this, like, why couldn't we get something like that back in the day? Mm. If you know the cover to Emperor Joker, it's pretty much almost like this cover that, uh, well, actually it's not. It's just Joker on a playing card looking thing. But what else are you going to do with the Joker, right? Right. So, anyway, yeah, that's the thing. Next up, uh, DC and Diamond extend working relationship temporarily. 
Um, apparently, the separation will be civil, uh, according to this article. Diamond Comic Distributors announced Friday, one week after the bombshell news, DC was discontinuing their uh, relationship with the distributor. After June 23rd, uh, that they've reached an agreement to extend some aspects of their working relationship with the publisher temporarily. Uh, for direct market comic book retailers in the U.S., Diamond and DC have extended their agreement to fulfill reorders in in-stock comic periodicals previously offered for sale, uh, fulfilling reorders through June 31st. I can't help but feel like like this is the stuff that they already had in Diamond. And after this is, you know, like, yeah, we'll go ahead and finish this, the stuff that you already got with us. And then you're off on your own. Right. Pretty much yeah. just to empty the stock. Mm hmm. So don't take it as don't take it as like, oh, maybe this could be an alternate branch to get them back together. No, no, I don't, I don't think that's the case. So anyway, there is that. Next up. Next up in an exclusive interview with comic book resources, Dennis Cowan the co-creator of Static, teased the possible return of the fan-favorite Milestone Comics. In an interview with CBR, Cowan was asked about talks of the revival, to which he said, and he goes on to recount uh, the legal situation that has since been resolved to all party satisfaction. Um, DC and Milestone were going forward with their plans after a very long delay, and just when they were starting to pick up everything again, is when COVID-19 hit. But that hasn't really stopped work from progressing, he continues. Uh, he can't say anything really big right now. Some of the stuff has already been announced uh, a while ago, and they're still proceeding with a lot of those things. There's going to be some new things that are going to be announced, but for all people who are thinking about Milestone, they thank he thanks you, they thank you, for your continued patience. There's going to be some stuff to see, and there will be stuff to see relatively soon. And hopefully people will be back on the milestone bandwagon and it'll be good be because uh, he thinks that now it's needed more than ever. And I am inclined to agree. Yeah, he's not wrong. He is absolutely wrong. And yeah, so we, cause we, I think we had talked about it when we, when the, the whole um, legal kerfuffle came up a couple of years back or however long it's been that we were worried about this was going to, what this was going to do to the comeback to, to milestone. And it's good to see that that's finally, um, you know, coming to, to a decent end or more important coming to, you know, some stuff is coming to fruition from it, uh, after right. that legal, legal stuff. Uh, and realistically, and a lot of cases that, you know, the, the milestone stuff hadn't really left a lot of people. Cause every now and then on Twitter, I would see people kind of mentioning, you know, the stuff with Milestone and the, the fact that they hope that it that it kind of happens. So it hasn't left a whole lot of people. Well, it has left a whole lot of people's minds, but it has not left people's minds fully. Let's put it that way. So not including the, the folks that are actually doing something about it. So this is great. I, I can't wait to um, I can't wait for the stuff to, to, to see what the stuff is when it comes out, uh, whenever that should be. Next up. Uh, actually, some quite re possibly relevant news to our topic tonight. Um, Cameron Stewart removed from DC Project after sexual misconduct allegations. Uh, so apparently several recent allegations made against comic writer artist Cameron Stewart claiming he's been grooming underage girls 
uh, have now resulted in him being removed from upcoming DC project. And this now explains that tweet from Tenny Howard that I saw, because I did not know this had happened, but I saw Tenny Howard saying something about, um, you know, she is hesitant to, to, um, basically, you know, um, she she was basically like mentoring is a whole lot of thing is a whole lot in her in her career, but she's hesitant to, you know, to uh, say anything about you know when uh, when uh, the when ladies who want to get into this the comic industry ask her about mentorship, she's kind of hesitant about it because a lot of times the folks doing the mentoring are doing it for reasons like this. Right. Uh, in that, and it is a predatory nature. So now I understand more fully about that tweet that she did. Because I, I meant to look at, look um, look into that a little bit more, but I did not know that it was probably surrounding this. Uh, anyway, Bleeding Crew initially relent, re- reported the news of Stewart's removal from the planned DC project, which CBR has since confirmed. Uh, this isn't the only project from which Stewart has been removed uh, either. Uh, and his variant cover for his Image Comics series, Ice Cream Man, has also been carried. I don't know anything about this dude or what he's done. So, Well, what I was going to add, there's, a, there's a, a bit of the piece that I highlighted at the bottom if you scroll down. Okay. He is known as the co-writer of Batgirl along with Brendan Fletcher. This is when... Um, they redid Batgirl with like that uh, different looking costume, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of with a, a steampunk esque flourish. You know, like uh, it, it wasn't as sleek as it used to have been. It was more purple and gray. Sure. Um, and has also worked on major titles such as Detective Comics, Hellblazer, Catwoman, and more. Gotcha. Because I wasn't really sure who he was, so that's why I highlighted that part of the story. I gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, there is that. And then there is a number at the bottom of this article if that, that says that if you're a U.S.-based uh, victim of sexual assault or misconduct and in need of help, contact RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, at uh, the number Friday, which is 800-656-4673. Uh, to be connected with a trained staff member from a sexual assault service provider near you. And then there's also a link that you can click to for international uh, resources. So that was good of this article to, uh, to to add that in there. And actually, again, you know, slightly relevant to the topic that we're going to get into tonight. Um, I know. So keep that information in mind. Next up... <clears throat> Oh, actually, there is actually there's a couple that I put in at the uh, at the last minute, and actually one of us has to do with Diamond, which is Diamond to hold free comic book day July, uh, July through September looks like. So from July fifteenth to September 9th, Diamond Comic Distributors will hold an alternate version of the recently canceled uh, free comic book day twenty twenty. Um, although Free Comic Book Day is typically the first Saturday in May, but it was canceled this week this year because of uh, COVID nineteen, uh, Diamond Distributors isn't making fans wait until next year to get free books. Instead, it'll be from the aforementioned dates, and then there is a, a official press release uh, related to what is going on with that. But it sounds like 
um, all of the books that are that seems like a long time to do free comic book day. I'm not complaining, but um, all of the sounds like all of the books that's basically already been listed from the free comic books day stuff is gonna get uh, gonna get put out, or at least they're gonna be put out in in installments. Because as you see at the bottom of this article, um, there's a list of comics that are coming out on what day. So, for instance, July 15th, there's Power Rangers, Ranger Slayer, The Marvel Pony, there's uh, Marvel's X-Men, and some other stuff. And then each day is a, a whole new set of books going up until um, September 9th. So that is a way to do it, I guess. Now, the question is, I assume the stuff is also going to be out on Comixology. Because it doesn't, I don't know if it says where these books are going to be. Oh, friends, friends, bring your friends and family and head to your local comic shop every week starting July 15th through September 9th to check out new and fantastic free comics. Which, that's kind of weird. Because that was the whole reason why Free Comics Books Day was... um, was canceled in the first place and now it's like hey we're just going to you know put all these books out here a few at a time so keep going to your local comic book store which part of that I kind of get but at the same time like that's seems kind of weird I mean at the end of the day they have to trust that the store is going to be providing some regulation of social distancing mm. yeah you know. that's, that's a lot of trust and stuff that we haven't seen borne out in other avenues. Yeah, I was about to say, it depends. That's the thing, it depends. Yeah. It depends on the store. And I hate to say, you know, you kind of take, you always take your life in your own hands when you step out the door of your own home. This is true. But, but, you know, you have to be, just, you know, just be, everyone just please be aware when you are trying to pick up your books of, uh, you know, of the fact that the pandemic is not over. And won't be for quite some time. And there are more cases. In fact, stuff is opening up as we talked about before. Before the, the the before starting the show, cases and places have risen when stuff is when when places have opened up. So yep. yeah, take that for exactly what it is. And as and as the cases start to flatten and the curve starts starts to flatten in New York, the more business travel starts to pick up, you know what's going to happen when people are coming from other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. So. So, and people traveling shouldn't be going nowhere, but yet people still still saying they're doing that for whatever odd reason. And you know, hang on, they got to get to places. And do they though? That's what they're doing. Yeah. If they're, had see, well, had to and want to are two different things. That's all I'm saying. All right. Anyway, anyway. Uh, uh, and there... one last yeah, one last piece of news. Um, HBO Max launches its own superhero universe with branded comics. So, apparently a new comic series from HBO Max and DC will see ordinary people becoming superheroes to promote the new streaming service. To the Max, uh, I guess is the title of it. To the Max! Written by Ivan Cohen. I know, right? Is a three-part digital series featuring art from several top talents. Uh, DC and HBO Max both share in the belief that great storytelling is one of the most powerful ways to engage and connect with people, quote-unquote, says uh, Jim Lee in a statement. Uh, We're excited to share these new and unoriginal stories of Hector, Brian, Olivia, and Max <laughs> with the DC uh. fans um, and 
all fans of great entertainment, a.k.a., hey, we got DC Universe over here, but people are flocking over here to HBO Max, so we need to try to synergize this uh, DC property that we got some kind of way. And apparently, they killed HBO Go got killed. Yeah, apparently what, at the end of July or at the end of June? Which is weird, because, so here's, so, okay, so before we even get, I know this is slightly off topic, but actually kind of relevant, because we've talked a lot about HBO Max, and and it's relevant to this, but, so, I have a PS4, and when HBO Max came out, the app that got replaced was HBO Now. Right. So, I'm sitting here like, okay, so they, they killed HBO Now in order to do this, which makes sense. Because HBO, HBO now didn't seem as relevant as HBO Go. Apparently now they're... Matter of fact, here, I just pulled... Here's the um, thing right here. Uh, yeah, apparently Warner Brothers officially kills HBO Go, which is a good service, but at, at the same time, it makes sense also because they pretty much... Like, HBO Go is pretty much doing what HBO Max is doing now in that it has all of the old shows and whatnot. Um... Right, it has all the HBO content. Exactly. Well, what it does not contain, though, is all of the other stuff, like the Criterion stuff, the Lord of the Rings stuff, the Harry Potter stuff. You know, that's what's on Max. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it sucks that, you know, there's certain televisions that have onboard smart TV capabilities, but some, some of them are just not getting these apps. You know, I use Disney Plus as an example, and I have a relatively new... Uh, uh, smart TV, but because it's on the smaller side, mm. uh, you know, I'm talking about about the one that I keep in the uh, master mm. um, bedroom. Uh, it doesn't have Disney Plus on it, and it does have HBO Go on it, but I haven't been able to find HBO Max. So right. it's interesting to see what's going to happen if I'm just going to have to get uh, a Fire Stick. Oh, no, I can't use a Fire Stick for HBO Max yet. So yes. yeah, you gotta love the streaming the, the streaming wars right now because it's they're definitely uh, the the rollout of the streaming wars and and the distribution as a result of the streaming wars is still a little bit uh, touch and go when it comes to what your technological capabilities are what your TV model is. Hmm. To be fair, HBO Max is the only one that I know of in recent history that has had issues like that with not being on certain platforms because of whatever, because of, you know, whatever reasons, license or whatever the hell it ended up being, or, you know. It out. Yeah, Disney Plus may have figured it out last second, but they did figure it out. Right. So but they did have apps ready for all of the platforms. Exactly. So this is, is it's even more kind of weird that this is the case. But regardless, that is it, folks. HBO Go is now, or HBO Go and Now are, are both now gone in, in, in its place. HBO Max reigns supreme as it's supposed to. HBO Max should, could, by the way, if you're listening, Warner Brother, hey, how about put Real Sex and uh, Deaf Comedy Jam on there? Or Deaf Poetry on there, excuse me. Wait, one of them is not on there. Is either Deaf Comedy or, No, Deaf Comedy is on there. Deaf Poetry is not on there. So put Deaf Poetry on there. Thank you very, very much. And Real Sex. Thank you very much. Uh, because we know they're listening. <laughs> they're not listening. Of course they are. <laughs> anyway, that is it for the news. Uh, because whatever news I just pulled can wait till next week. Uh, right. and then that week we will now get into an ad read before we get into our topic of the night. Our first ad is for Amazon. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. 
visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel, Legends, or Star Wars Black Series figures. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Yes. Uh, and now, folks, we will get to our topic. Actually, excuse me. No, uh, before we get to our topic of the night, um, I, Agent 70 has a couple of books that he's going over this, that he's read this week, uh, that he's going to quickly go through. So, rapid fire. Yeah, definitely rapid fire. Oh, wait, not that old minigun. The HD minigun. Oh. Yes, we got the we got the rapid fire reviews this week for some of the books that were released um, to stores. Marvel had a couple of D, had had a few digital releases, and DC had some releases. I'm going to cover just a few of them. Uh, first up is Ghost Fighter number ten. Uh, this is an in, there's an interesting twist that ends the story, and it also ends the latest volume of Ghost Spider. This is, in fact, the last issue of this volume of Ghost Spider, in in which Gwen chooses discretion as the better part of valor. Uh, I'm personally interested to see the next iteration of this book. Hopefully, it is a print iteration. Um, I'm really not looking forward to to seeing how they put together the last two issues of this, if they're going to put them together as like a collected edition or what, it's going to suck. Um, Jane Foster, Valkyrie, number 10 is up next. Um, the art by Ramon Rosanas kind of loses me in spots, and I'm not always sure what's going on, but that's only in a few spots. Overall, it's a good issue, and the story is solid, and it ends the threat of the Rokva for now. So it's definitely worth catching up on this book, Roddy Cat. Last but not least is Dark Knight Death Metal number one. Uh, it is subtitled An Anti-Crisis Part One, It All Matters. And just in very broad strokes, this follows up on the Justice League story that uh, Snyder was telling when uh, uh, the Justice League and the Injustice uh, and, and the Injustice League were all fighting against Perpetua, and so we are right back in that. Um, we're right back in the thick of things. It there are some very interesting uh, characters that show up in terms of uh, cameo appearances. It's just a really crazy ride. I'm better informed uh, about. How to how to interpret all this now that we have read Crisis on Infinite Earths, or at least I have read Crisis on Infinite Earths finally. So it definitely helps with my comprehension. So I may go back and just skim through the uh, the dark the Dark Knight uh, metal uh, the previous uh, limited series and crossover uh, uh, that uh, that this is uh, stemming from. So. But uh, it was definitely entertaining just to read this. I literally read it right before we started the show. 
and yes, if you are interested in our um, us talking about Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, then you can go back a few episodes. I can't remember the exact number of, but when all this whole COVID thing started and we needed to do some um, some uh, some new content, uh, yeah, we started doing events like we're doing tonight, and that was the one of the first ones we did actually. Right. Um, so yeah, you can go right. check check that out there. Yeah, check podcast right. Check your podcast feeds. Uh, for that episode, and uh, it's what it's a two parter, right? I believe that one was yes. Yeah, we had to split that one into two parts because that's pretty long. Yeah. So, but we did end up having to, you know, some of those episodes are long. We do go into depth on each issue, but uh, it's worth it. It's definitely worth it if you haven't read it. It's definitely worth reading it and and, and kind of uh, catching up on our podcast uh, either as you go or right or, or right after you uh, finish your reading. It is a thing, and it is a thing that has informed uh, many events uh, therein from both Marvel and DC. So, yeah. Definitely. Uh, so, if that is it on that end, uh, we will get into tonight's topic. Um, sorry. Let me do this. Uh, DC Comics' 2004 Identity Crisis uh, event. Uh, written by apparently New York Times bestselling author Brad Meltzer, uh, art by Rags Morales and Michael Bayer. I'm guessing is the colorist, <clears throat> right? Uh, and this one, so going just like we do with the other ones going into this, there's a couple of things we'll mention in that. Uh, so this is the event, one of the events right before uh, Blackest Night, which we've already talked about which, as we talked about then, uh, kind of fed into some stuff from then. But also, uh, Wally West is the Flash, because Hal Jordan... Uh, I'm not Hal Jordan, excuse me. We'll get to that in a second. Okay. But, uh, Barry, Barry Allen is, is still deceased at this point in time. Um, Kyle Rayner is the Green Lantern, because Black- Hal Jordan is dead, but he's the, the Spectre at this point, but not that many people seem to know that, with the exception of, I assume, one or two people, which we'll find out in the course of or at least one person in the course of the story uh, knows about. Uh, let's see what else is going on in this one. Oh, Bruce Wayne is Batman. This is uh, so. This was before. This is like probably right before Bruce Wayne died. Tim Drake is Robin, which that kind of plays a little bit of part in this story, or a part in the story actually. Um, and I believe for the most part, that, oh, uh, Ronnie Raymond, who is Firestorm, is Firestorm by himself in this, which if you know anything about Firestorm he's usually a composite of two different people, you know, one in the backseat being a man in the chair in the brain and the other one driving the ship uh, but apparently at some point Ron and Raymond ended up having the Fire Matrix altar, Firestorm Matrix altar himself uh, during the course of this or before the course of this, rather um, also, we have to put a, a warning here because uh, if you are a sensitive to um, sexual assault this definitely has some of that in here and uh, while it's not like really really graphic but it's, it's it shows enough to where it might trigger some folks so that is something to be wary of if you do plan on reading of this um, you know and there's I think there's a couple of cases of of salt well there's one particular but there's a couple of cases of that we'll talk about anyway so 
that with that out of the way, I think we can go ahead and get into identity crisis number one. One, one, one. Hoo ha! Oh, all right. So we open up uh, issue number one entitled Coffin. Uh, we find ourselves in Opal City with Elongated Man and Firehawk. And, you know, most of the time I'm like, uh, who? For, <laughs> you know, at least Firehawk. I'm like, what? Yeah. Our stakeout overlooking the black market sale of one of what, the, what, what we find out to be one of Lex Luthor's war suits, the green joint from, from uh, Superpowers. Mm-hmm. The deal is being engineered by the calculator between supervillain Bolt, a Punisher-looking wannabe, and two street thugs, Benny and Trey. God, could we could we get more stereotypical, Meltzer? Um, <laughs> their discussion turns personal while they wait, and they get uh, and they begin talking about love and secret identities. Firehawk, we're, we're talking about the discussion between Firehawk and Elongated Man. Firehawk asks Ralph to tell him. The story of how he met his wife, Sue Dibney, uh, and, uh, you know, he goes on to talk about how it's been a very romantic ride for them. It, uh, you know, he, he relates the, the, the story, the, 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 the ongoing story of their, their love and how she attempts to try to su- surprise him every year for his birthday. Um Every year she creates a mystery for him to solve as part of her gift. And uh, Ralph is confident he's figured out the entire thing, but he's not aware that Sue has planned an extra surprise for him. And we find out what that is later. Um, Bad things start to happen. Oh, I love how this particular summary is written. Um, Goodness gracious. Uh, Sue is alone at home but is brutally attacked by a mysterious assailant and signals for help. As Elongated Man and Firehawk fly there as quickly as they can, Bolt gets into an altercation with the dealers, the weapons dealers, and he's shot and mortally wounded when they... uh, Jesus. And is mortally wounded. Um, Ralph finds Sue Dibney lying dead on the ground and her body horribly burned after the... Uh, sprinklers in their home doused flames. Um, We find out that uh, the special gift that Sue had planned was that she was going to show a positive pregnancy test. So that's all suckatuge all over the place right there. So wait, before you go any further, so there's a couple of there's a couple of things that was that this synopsis kind of misses. Because during the court before that even happens and I guess it's kind of interspersed with what what because a lot of it's like okay, all of this is kind of happening at the same time, sort of situation. So so you have the elongated man and Firebolt talking, but then it gets to a point to where we cut to other folks like uh, Dick Grayson, Nightwing, and um, you know, and, and some other folks talking about people that they've lost uh, uh, before it even gets to the the bolt uh, the, uh, the the altercation between bolt the the, the fake uh, punisher and uh, the the street thugs so anyway continue right there's an interesting time uh not device a storytelling device that Melter uses it you know uh, over the course of the book where 
Um, you know, we're 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 told that things are happening five minutes from now, ten minutes from now, now, mm. and it's a uh, it's a little on the confusing side, but it, yeah, it does yeah, help yeah. you to understand that uh, certain characters are either far away from the action or things are happening right before the event of uh, Sue Dibney's uh, death happens. So, but. Uh, the signal devices are all alerted, and um, a whole bunch of uh, Justice Leaguers come charging uh, to investigate. Hold on. Now I'm going to flip to the book because now I don't trust this. Oh, here we go. So, so the first thing that we see once the signal devices are activated is... Ray Palmer, the Atom, and his ex-wife, Jean Loring, completing and executing some paperwork about um, his patents that had been uh, dealt with during their divorce. And uh, they, tra- you know, uh, the Atom transports them to, uh, you know, uh, as, as a result of getting the, um, the, the signal. Hmm. Oh wait! Before you, before you go any further, sorry. Um, uh, and again, right before this happens, you see uh, because this some of this kind of is going to play out later on, so it's kind of important. You see uh, Tim Drake suiting up, well, not suiting up, but um, coming out of his Robin suit um, and going downstairs to meet his dad. So he's who's who knows he's Robin. Uh, and right. is constantly worried that he's going out at night, you know, um, as Robin. And this is kind of a thing that also plays out in the in the thing. We also see um, Katana and Black Lightning talking in in you know uh, in plain clothes about the fact that they're no longer uh, you know suiting up that much anymore. Now this part right here doesn't play as big of a thing, but it does come back up a little bit later, which is is weird because they don't really don't really do anything with these two characters outside of this is there an outsider's book that was relaunched at this time uh there is an outsider's book because yes they do come into play during the course of but they get they get at least at the very mentioned and used uh in various course of this um uh of this um miniseries and yes, there are like tie-in issues, but we're not doing the tie-in issues. By the way, we're just doing the main story. So there are some other books that are tying in with this with this stuff. That's what I figured. Yeah, I figured that there was something that I was reading. Yeah. So anyway, continue. Sorry. Oh, bottom line is uh, the detective types and the forensic make their way to uh, Ralph and Steve's apartment to investigate Green Arrow, Mister Miracle. The metal men are all what happened in apartment. Uh, only two days later, story-wise, they have the Sue Dibney and a bunch of superheroes show up. This is definitely a, a stark reminder between the DC universe and Marvel universe. Yeah. So yeah. So this basically says like yeah because of the, the 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 number of people that have died previous to this like they the Justice League has set up a basically their own forensics and they're basically their own crime unit sort of in a way to kind of investigate the deaths and uh, uh, basically some behind the scenes cleanup that we don't uh, that we don't necessarily see in comic books all that often and that some of that gets addressed later on. Right. Well, that's what I, what I was actually 
is the funeral. Yes. Because what I did not know is that Ralph, Ralph and Sue's identities were public. Yes. So because they're public, uh, there's a deal with in terms of identity issue. And actually, member there are actually members of the uh, general public at the funeral. You know, like in the far back of the church, I take it. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about this is that, you know, I think that, again, is a stark reminder of the difference between the DC universe and the Marvel universe. Right. You know, this is generally not something that you would see, you know, in public in the Marvel universe. So, mm-hmm. so the funeral's head held in Central City, the place where Ralph and Sue first meet. And uh, people had come across the country, from across the country to mourn and pay, or even from across the world to mourn and pay tribute to uh, Sue. Um, the pallbearers are the Flash, Green Arrow, um, Hawkman, and Sue's uncle. Wonder Woman delivers a eulogy, and Ralph is unable to uh, choke out any words at uh, the funeral. After the funeral, or right in the aftermath of the funeral, teams split up to take on the various suspects that have uh, basically come up as a result of the preliminary investigation performed by the characters we mentioned previously. But there is a group of former Justice Leaguers that hang back five characters, Hawkman, Adam, Canary, Zatanna, and Green Arrow, hang back um, to talk to Ralph Dibney. And uh, what we end with is Ralph uh, turning and snapping back as the rubber band tends to do. (laughs) Ha ha, that's what they refer to. Um, He says, help me find Dr. Light. And we end on that note. So that is issue number one. Whoa. What happened to Roddy Cat's audio? Oh, sorry, I was muted. Um, so no, yeah, I was about to say I thought it was me. No, 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 it, it wasn't you. That was that was me. I forgot to take myself off mute. My apologies. Uh, so yeah, we get to uh, issue two, aka chapter two, which is called House of Lies. Um, and yeah, so we 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 get back to this group of. Matter of fact, let me change this, this right here. Boop. There we go. I'm, I got the covers up for folks who uh, who. Um, or watching the video and with some interspersal pages, uh, panel pages. That's why I'm kind of going through the panel pages um, at the same time. So anyway, we start this uh, issue with Gene Loring and Ray Palmer in an apartment. They are divorced at this point in the DC continuity, uh, or, or recently divorced. I don't. I'm not sure which one it is. I know. Well, they guess it sounds like they've been v- v- divorced for a little bit. Um. Uh, Ray is looking through a chest. He shrinks down into Adam's size and then comes back up with a crossbow that Hawkman gave him to give to Gene Loring. Because even though they're divorced, he still kind of cares and he's like he wants basically wants her to be careful. Uh, and then he, uh, you know, hey, look, I just want to keep safe. Uh, and Gene's like, whatever you're up to, just be careful. And then he. Uh, zips back through the phone line or where, however he does it. Well, actually, most of the times he's been through the phone line during the course of this. Back to the group that has been assembled behind the church. We see Elongated Man uh, suiting up and everybody's talking. 
Uh, Green Arrow puts his foot in his mouth with uh, Black Canary, which I thought was the one of the funniest things. But also kind of, I don't want to say toxic, but that's probably the closest word I got for it. Because he basically says, Diana, maybe you should. And, and Black Canary is like, what? What? What, what are you going to say? What are you about to say, basically? <laughs> and, and then he was like, nothing. And she's like, uh, exactly. Don't forget, you're the one that died, Ali, not me. So I was like, dang, that's messed up. But at the same time, you know what? Hey, justified. So anyway, and then we see narration from, I think this is, yeah, from Green Arrow's point of view through this, this whole part, or at least, yeah, this whole part. Um, right. uh, Black Canary tries to check up on Ralph, and Ralph's like, nope, let's just do this. Um, Hawkman sees Flash, come, uh, who is vibrating to where most people couldn't see him, but Hawkman apparently does. Uh, this is Wally West, by the way, like I said. <clears throat> who is spying on them and um, also with uh, Kyle Rayner Green Lantern who is also spying on them. Uh, apparently Green Arrow like, knew he was there but didn't necessarily knew he was there. So it was just as he said he was bluffing. So Wally comes in and wonders why because it was basically it was like hey you don't think we didn't notice that you know you guys were hanging back while everybody else got put in the teams and sent after villains which was which happens last issue. Um so there is a there's a not necessarily a confrontation but it's basically it's like you know hey Wally's on his moral high grounds like look you lied to us and I say I don't know why I said that like that, but you know he's I guess justified. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Uh, elongated man gets in get, gets in the middle of him saying, "Hey, this is not about you." Wally wants an explanation about what's going on, uh, but not before um, <clears throat> he's saying, "Look, I don't know what y'all are doing here, but if you know whatever it is, uh, if y'all can't say anything, I can bring I can have uh, Bruce and Bruce and Clark, Superman and, and Batman here in in a real quick second." And this group does not want that. So clearly they, so, so Green Arrow's like, all right, fine. We'll tell them they want to know, they need to know. So they, on the way to find Dr. Light, they tell the story of what happens in the Watchtower. And this, folks, is where it gets a little dark. <clears throat> so this is a story. So this basically, I don't know if this story is actually something that happened uh, or this is something that was made up for this particular oh, event. I'm assuming it, can, it was made up for this particular event. Mm-hmm. It's a retcon. Yeah. Uh, so Dr. Light basically uh, invades the, the Watchtower some kind of way, uh, and there is speculation speculated as to why he was doing it d- during, you know, with the narration going on, but... Um, but it could be that he just wanted his light gun as someone was saying, who knows, regardless he ends up coming upon Sue Dibney who just so happens to be in the Watchtower because she was bored at home and uh, wanted to see a different site so she came to the Watchtower because she had access to it uh, Dr. Light assaults her uh, sexually assaults her uh, while she is trying to get the jail, the, the Justice League at the time, who is who was basically the makeup of the team that uh, um, um, uh, Agent Seventy said, with the addition of uh, Hal Jordan and Barry Allen. So this is why Wally doesn't know anything about it, and Hal Jordan is also not here, and that's why Cal Verena doesn't know anything about this. Um, <clears throat> but yes, so two Dibney's assaulted. Uh, the Justice League come in and they take him down. 
with well, it takes a little bit of effort, but they they finally take him down. Uh, Sue, you know, gets um, taken away to the hospital by Ralph. You know, uh, excuse me, and he's all crying and stuff. And then they get to they get to basically talking about well, wait, so Doctor Light is kind of a moron. Which even now they they they've kind of alluded to that, like uh, in recent. In recent times, but this basically ends up explaining as to why Dr. Light was the way he was around this time because apparently he was a little bit more capable of a villain than he was around this time, and that's why he was fighting the Teen Titans, you know, and losing, uh, like even now, actually. But yeah, so well, they even gonna ask, go ahead, hold on to that thought. I remember Dr. an early enemy of. Titans during the run, uh-huh. and he is an idiot, but that might be pre crisis. Mm-hmm. So maybe in the time past, after that inter- iteration, that like yeah, like part- maybe like maybe this, this the backstory to this was set during that time, right? Yeah, that that's that seems to lend out itself that way. Um, and I guess that's why they explained that. That's why I explained it that way. So, because this was like, because we don't necessarily when this, the initial thing is actual sex. They don't give a natural time frame, nor do they like mm-hmm. foot loaded and say that hey, this happened in whatever issue. So that's that's what saying it, it is. It you is. Said Barry's here, so that's definitely pre crisis. Exactly. So that makes a whole lot of sense. Right. So, and um, and and Hal Jordan. So yeah. But anyway, but cool. um. So yeah, so they're on the rooftop top of um, of uh, where Doctor Light is, and they're still talking about this. And you know, Wally's not believing what's going on, but he, or Wally or Kyle is not believing what's going on, and they keep saying this. You have to understand. You have to understand. That is a, that is the thing that gets said over and over in the course of this um, uh, miniseries. But I'm like, no, you kind of don't. So anyway, they're on, on the roof and still talking. And they're still recounting what happened uh, in the past. Like they they captured Doctor Light, uh, but then Doctor Light keeps saying things that uh, that is um, pretty stalkery and pretty cringy at, at this point in time. So because he's basically like, "Oh yeah, hey Flash, I see you got a wedding ring. Um, you know, you got somebody at home." And he's basically saying, "Hey, I could." Now that I know y'all's weaknesses, getting to the people that you know you love, I bet you I can find you know, I bet you can find other folks as we can, and I can get to them also and do the same thing I did to, to to Sue. So while they're trying to figure out what to do with them, they shackle him up and put him, then put him to sleep because he keeps talking. He even visually shows them what he did to Sue Dibney, and they're sitting here in the watchtower's tower still talking. Um, mind you, um, I should going back a second. So there is a shot of actually, I want to show this shot uh, of them taking, taking, um, taking down Doctor Light, and I'm going to put it up right there. Or at least that's one shot that we end up seeing. But there's another shot that we will see in the coming issues. So anyway, to continue to continue this, while they they're still recounting the story, they're they're trying to figure out what to do with Dr. Light and the, and so one of them gets the idea to wipe his memory basically and of course mm-hmm. this splits the team um because you know there are folks just like hey that's not they don't, that's not something we should do 
you know, uh, and other folks are like, you know, we got families and people have lost stuff. And basically the crux is like, yeah, the people that have lost some folks recently or at all is like, yeah, this is probably something that we could do. Because outside of that, they didn't know what to do with Dr. Light because they could put him in Arkham, but he could be telling everybody else's who, you know, their, their, their identities that he knows of. And, you know, they could, the, the other enemies could basically get to him. So to prevent that from happening, they come to this. But then we cut to another satellite, which is not the Watchtower, where a bunch of um, supervillains... Hold, hold that thought. I wanted to note that this was Hawkman's idea. Yes. That it was very interesting, and it's it's a character that does not get a lot of shine. They've tried to reboot Hawkman and Hawkgirl's history a bazillion times. Yeah. So it's very interesting that Meltzer gives Hawkman the voice to suggest this particular course of action. But it makes that, sense because Hawkman pretty much is, for the most part, has always been matter of fact about things. Well, what I was going to add, though, is that, you know, I wonder if this isn't part of the whole resurrection thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, how many times, do, what he says is how many times do we have to go through this? Right. Because he can just see things happening over and over again. I'm not sure what the Hawkman story is up until this point, but I wonder if the resurrection thing has something to do with maybe uh, how he would view things as uh, having to go through that same thing over and over again. Um, maybe. Or, you know, it's or just, just, one, or it's just, just one, in, Yeah, no, I can see that. Cause, or just in general with villains in it, like every time they put them away, they always get out. Right. Yeah. Right, so it's one way, it's one way to see the character expressing itself with Meltzer give. Uh, this particular a choice, right? Him that when he puts this choice, right. Also worth noting, yeah, this is so the division of the team. I guess that is something worth noting. Uh, the division of the team is at this point when Hawk, Hawkman brings that up. Um, um, uh, what is it? Green Arrow, yeah, Green Arrow, Black Canary, and Hal Jordan are on one side of the table. Uh, the Adam, Ray Palmer, uh, and Zatanna and Hawkman are on, on the other side of this. So Hawkman and, on, on his side are the ones that... This is almost like a sister, Civil War situation, weirdly enough. But anyway, um, so yeah, those three on the one side, the other three on the side, and the Flash, uh, Barry, Barry Allen is deciding to vote on here, which he ends up deciding to be on Hawkman's side because uh, Iris had died like not too long before that, but I think she had come back by this time or something. I'm not even sure what even happened with that. So... Yeah, so back to the satellite of hand. So this is basically a satellite of, of um, some of villains, and we see... Uh, I want to say this is supposed to be like Malcolm Merlin, the the, the, the analog for Malcolm Merlin in the... Um, in, in the Arrowverse. I'm not sure, but there's a character called Merlin who's just... who's kind of like... Um, green Arrow, I guess he's got a bow and arrows and whatever, and he's supposed to be real good. Anyway, he's come to the satellite looking for information or whatever the case may be, and we get a breakdown of who all comes here for what reasons, and apparently the, the satellite is tapped, and both sides know it's tapped, weirdly enough. Um, and there's you know, villains talking about people that are here or not here, or folks on drugs, this kind of, another one, Deathstroke's here because you know, he's just trying to keep an eye on the competition. Get it? Deathstroke, an eye on, you know, anyway. Um, oh, no. 
So yeah, and also Oracle. So this is also oh yeah, I forgot. So Bat well, Batgirl is no longer Batgirl; she is Oracle at this point because this is after the time where uh, Joker shot her. So she's the one basically, you know, doing. Uh, um, she's the one. She's basically doing what the calculator does, sort of, uh, for the heroes, and she gets information and spies on people, this and that and the other, and, and that's kind of what the calculator does during the course of this whole thing. Uh, well, hold, on and, to, hold on to that thought very quickly. Mm-hmm. I, my understanding, just reading from these fandom notes, that the calculator, this is a kind of a reboot for the calculator as well. Yes. Where they him the evil oracle as opposed to just being kind of like a supervillain, quote-unquote supervillain that ran around dressed as a calculator. Right. So. In fact, they do mention that uh, somewhere in here. I don't know if it's after this or, or had previously, but yes, they definitely do mention that fact. Because there's been a couple of times like, yeah, I remember when you ran around with big buttons on you. I, th- I know that comes up later, but anyway. Um, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so yeah, so this is Oracle, and she's she's keeping tabs, trying to keep tabs on them. But, again, the villains know they are, so it's it's a stalemate at this point. Um, but, yeah, we're, like I said, we're still in this thing, and we're seeing folks coming in and out. But Dr. Light ends up coming in. And we also see one Digger Harkness um, coming in, and he's just kind of there. You know, just park, taking it off the facilities and not really doing much because he's kind of older and kind of washed up. But then, like I said, Doctor Light comes in, comes hobbling in, and says that, "Hey, calculator sent me. I need money." And she, he, so basically, he comes in to get an assassin because this is what a lot of people do at this. So either assassins come here to get work, or they're chilling out, or or they're getting work from here from the calculator or whoever uh, at this at this thing. So then we cut back to the heroes. Um, and they're still talking about what happened and Wally's like there's no way Wally voted for this happened come to find out yeah he did because of what happened to Iris as I, as I just said so Wally's like well so y'all just lobotomized Dr. Light and just, just, just like that and because the fact that Zatanna was the one doing this she was the one explaining this part and the fact that she's never done anything like that before so wasn't sure how it was going to work out and then this is where we get the explanation of um, pretty much why after, at a certain point, Dr. Light is kind of the way he was and being, you know, less than what he, I guess, potentially was. Um, and then, of course, somebody says still, uh, and Ralph Disney, so while, while Ralph Disney was there uh, at a certain point, he was not there for the cleanup because he was there with he was went to the hospital with his wife so so he didn't know a lot of this either that they had done so he's also getting this story at the same time that Wally and Kyle are and neither one of and neither one of them are like what why are you doing this y'all are crazy why are you doing this um so meanwhile Dr. Light apparently comes back to his spot and the Justice League and this this team goes down there to get him but they are met with some resistance in the form of Deathstroke. Um, uh, and then we see, we cut to one Dr. Midnight, who's a character I still don't know anything about, doing the autopsy on Sue, Sue Divney's body. Because that's I didn't know he was a medical examiner. I didn't either. I don't know diddly about this person. So, <laughs> but yeah, so he's set up to do, he's the one that was set up to do uh, the autopsy Along with, I think Mr. Uh, Mr. Terrific comes in later on to kind of help out or whatever the case may be, but we'll get to that and when they get to that. So yeah, and it basically explains that yeah, the so the hearse went one way and then another car came the other way to get the body so that they could do the the autopsy and they wanted to do it quick, you know, before anything happens. And this, 
is pretty much where we end uh, issue two because uh, while the team is fighting Dr. Light, uh, Dr. Midnight comes across the discovery that Dr. Light was not the one, despite what they thought and despite what, um, you know, the, the list of folks that could have done something like that. And despite all of the stuff that, by the way, this is the part that we didn't talk about. So the families of the Justice League have um, uh, security systems in place that Justice League cobbled up together. And that has a whole lot of technology in it. And apparently when Sue died, all of that was bypassed some kind of way. And uh, so that is a thing that also is going to be a thing that's going to be investigated at some point. But at this point, it was about the murder and the fact that Sue Dibney died and the list of suspects that who could have even possibly have done what they what they could have done, you know, giving all of the, the uh, security systems in place. Again, Dr. Light finds out that it wasn't Dr. Light, but the team's, uh, you know, but the team's cut off their comms so they can't get in contact with them and by the way and like I said Oracle is the one that's kind of relaying, relaying this stuff again so we end this uh, issue with yeah they, they're going after the wrong person so th- that's where that is and that is the end of issue two so now we move to issue three I just wanted to note that uh, at the beginning we, uh, I think you said that Mike Bear was the colorist. I think he's the inker. Okay. On, on these books. Thank you. So, um, issue three opens with right, pretty much right where we leave off, uh, issue two with the, well, right before we, we, we get to the part where it's discovered that Dr. Light's not the person behind. Uh, Sue Dibney's death. Uh, issue three opens with, in Roxbury, Massachusetts, uh, with uh, a group of leaguers confronting Deathstroke, the Terminator, and Doctor Light. And basically, Deathstroke takes it to all of them. Handily. What's that? Handily. Pretty much. He basically, if he didn't get greedy. And that's always the, the the villain downfall, right? If he did not get greedy in this particular uh, combat scene, he would have walked all over them and been able to get away scot-free, which they do anyway, which is funny. Mm-hmm. But uh, ultimately, um, uh, Deathstroke takes down at least the first sou- the first round uh, of uh, of leaguers, <clears throat> but gets a little greedy when he tries to take control of Kyle Rayner's Green Lantern ring hoping that his own willpower would be able to uh, overtake uh, Kyle Rayner's, but uh, Green Arrow takes that opportunity to uh, do something pretty gruesome to Deathstroke, uh, going through the um, the eye socket, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, that just uh, pissed him off. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was, but, you know. He's already blinded. You know, he basically stuck an arrow through his eye. And, uh, you know, in the aftermath... Um, while while Ollie's taking a couple of shots to the face from Deathstroke, the rest of the league uh, overtakes um, uh, Deathstroke, the Terminator, and it's a big pile on, and it's the pile on, you know, where every, it's a group pile on where everyone's trying to pin uh, Deathstroke down, and I'm like, wow, look at that, like all these heroes, you know, taking on uh, Deathstroke, the Terminator, this particular pile on. Um, 
jogs the the memory of one Dr. Light and he remembers what happened and what hap- what uh, the Justice League did to him on the watchtower. Now pause right Wait. there one quick second. Sorry. Uh, so yeah, so we get another we get um, as Agent Seven says, we see this pylon and it triggers Doctor Light. But we also see another figure, uh, picture, another version of the picture that we see from the Watchtower. And I'm going to put the video watch, uh, put the video up here. But there is uh, an addition that we did not see in the previous uh, iteration of this uh, image. Right. Okay. Go for There's it. an additional character. Yes. That is left out of the first version of this image. Mm-hmm. So, and that's for the benefit of our listeners out there. So, (coughs) (coughs) excuse me, we flip to, we flip back to Roxbury, Massachusetts, where it seems things have gone very poorly for the heroes once Dr. Light recovers his memory. (coughs) Superman comes... And talks to, <coughs> excuse me, the sorry sack of heroes. <laughs> They're in sorry state. This particular panel, and as I mentioned earlier, the art on this is a little, well, I don't know if I did mention it earlier, but the art on this is a little touch and go. I think this is early Rags Morales. I, I think, yes. I think he has gotten a lot stronger in the time that has passed since the story. Mm, and actually, I, if, if I remember when we get to the end of this, there is a so something that there's some stuff that uh, was said. In, well, there was some stuff that's from the, the trade of this that may make a little bit more sense for the art in certain cases. Was it rushed? No, just just some inspiration, let's just say. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah. Well, in any event, as I mentioned the, the heroes as they're as Superman's trying to figure out what the hell happened it looks uh, you know they, they look a mess but when Superman asks what's going on Wally West actually covers for them you know he does he doesn't exactly he doesn't uh, uh, mention what uh, you know what had happened to lead them to Dr. Light and, and, and to attack him in such a way he ain't a but, snitch right exactly so but ultimately um, we have a flashback to what are supposed to be simpler times, but you know it, it wasn't as all it wasn't always as simple. And we have some more retconning that happens where um, the wizard and others gather in a secret society and trade bodies with the JLA. And in terms of dealing with the aftermath, as as Cat mentioned earlier. In terms of dealing with the aftermath of such a story where the villains all of a sudden have occupied the bodies of the JLA and find out their innermost secrets and their secret identities and their family members, um, you know, uh, Green Arrow and, and The Flash, uh, Wally West, kind of go through, um, you know, that particular instance and other instances where um, where where fam- where close family members or, or close members of the of the hero community were hurt or injured or died because of uh, you know someone having their secret identity compromised so um, what's revealed is that this was not the fir- that the mind wipe 
or the uh, or at least the the forgetting the idea to make a villain forget certain things in the aftermath of a battle um, is not original, and this is not the first time they had done it. In fact, they had talked. To, uh, Green Arrow basically recounts that they had done it a few times. Right. So once we get to that point, we flash back to the the. Uh, the time when they're trying to reprogram Dr. Light and Green Arrow, uh, uh, you know, lets Hawkman get a, you know, you know, gives Hawkman a shot to the face, but Hawkman does not retaliate. Because you know he'd um, kill him. Of course. So um, it's implied here that Superman hears everything. Exactly. That he exactly what Flash and Green Arrow are talking about. And they even go so far as much like I will put this uh, I will put this up on the video, uh, the the page where that happens. Yeah. So so Superman's talking to uh, trying to console uh, Ralph Dibney uh, while they're talking. And this was the, and before they got to this part, like I know I, I don't know if you had the same thing. It was like okay, they're not that far away from Superman, knowing full well that Superman can hear, or maybe they weren't thinking about it at the time. I don't know. Can can hear pretty much everything they're saying, even though they're whispering or whatever. Because it doesn't seem like they're whispering, but they're whispering. But yeah, mm-hmm. we definitely get the shot of Superman kind of, you know, assumed to be able to hear this with the caption of, uh, "People aren't stupid while they believe what they want to believe and hear what they want to hear." And that's where we see the shot of uh, Superman, you know, S- Superman at earshot. Exactly. Exactly. So we flash to the calculator doing his uh, Oracle wannabe thing, and he's talking to uh, Merlin, the uh, the Green Arrow uh, clone, and he's also uh, working with uh, was it the original Captain Boomerang? Mm-hmm. Harkness. Couldn't remember his name for a hot yeah, second. Digger Harkness. Right. So Digger Harkness, uh, based on some information that the calculator gave him, is looking to meet his uh, long-lost son, um, you know, who is apparently adopted at this point. Uh, so he's looking to uh, looking to meet his biological son for the first time, but uh, he, you know, kind of wimps out. Uh, we next flash to uh, Tim Drake's Robin as he returns from uh, an adventure. Uh, he returns home from an adventure and has to put some makeup on to cover up a black eye he received accidentally, not even in combat, just accidentally from bumping into Cyborg's elbow um, or having Cyborg elbow him by accident. Um, Tim Drake's father realizes that he's got uh, makeup on and asks what happened to your face. But uh, the two of them, as they kind of uh, you know, deal with that, the television in the background plays a new story about um, the Sue Dibney murder and the latest happenings in Massachusetts. Next up, we have Jimmy Olsen and Perry White in the developing room. Gosh, talk about dated references, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So we have Jimmy Olsen and Perry White talking about um, uh, what. Uh, you know, what a supervillain plan could be, you know, to actually go after, uh, 
you know, wives and kids and coworkers. You know, if they if villains really wanted to hurt superheroes, why not go after the hero's best pal? And that uh, is the final panel on the page. That is obviously a direct reference to Olsen being a pal, the best pal of uh, Superman, and that being the title of his book. Our next transition is to the apartment of Gene Loring in Ivy Town. I love these fake names. So in Ivy Town, Gene Loring, divorcee, is um, apparently what's, what's revealed here, and I, I did not know this, is that uh, Gene Loring had a publicly disclosed identity and relationship and a public divorce with the Atom with Ray Palmer. In fact, there is a framed magazine cover where it's as opposed to people persons magazine in which uh, Gene Loring is the cover story and her divorce is the cover story. But, uh, we have what appears to be and take that, um, with every, you know, and, 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 and make note of what I just said. It appears that Gene Loring is being uh, assaulted and the, there's an attempt on her life. She's a, uh, the, someone is trying to hang her from the back of a door and chapter three ends with the title Serial Killer. Yeah. Also, yeah, and this is going to be another thing that kind of has happened in during the course of this uh, miniseries is that every time they cut to uh, Gene Loring and, and Albert, uh, Ad, uh, Ray, Ray Palm, excuse me, they always do the, the, the little footnotes of Gene Loring, divorcee, Ray Palmer, divorcee. In the, so, and that's kind of a running theme that happens during the course of this. So we cut to um, Identity Crisis number chapter four, uh, Who Benefits? And believe me, Who Benefits is, is, is going to be the crux of, uh, of a thing uh, in the next few issues because that keeps coming up uh, as I there we go as the um, cover is shown right there with uh, Wonder Woman holding the lasso of truth looking kind of dark I, I would say like, looking like Nubia and I'm not mad at it I'm just saying that's a great that's a good looking cover that's all I'm saying that's from the late Michael Turner yes yeah, as you can see down at the bottom, or as you can't actually you can't see down. There we go. Uh, you can see down at the bottom because this this uh, the cover I'm using is kind of big. Anyway, uh, chapter four, and also there was like uh, quotes uh, from from various heroes during the that comes on the the, the front page, uh, and a, a little known uh, person named Bruce Wayne gets the quote in the next couple of issues if I'm not mistaken, who doesn't necessarily have the biggest um, the biggest showing in this I didn't uh, in this uh, in, in this uh, event, but does show up prominently in, in a way as we were about to see. Anyway, chapter four, here we go. Uh, we still go back to the the Jenny Lawrence apartment where she's being strung where she was strung up and her phone was on that she was trying to call Ray Palmer, who comes through the phone Gets her basically gets her down off of the noose, uh, in the in the way only the Adam can do, uh, and then tends to her, gives her mouth to mouth because apparently she had stopped breathing and whatnot. Um, but she resusc- she gets resuscitated, and she basically says, just like the old days, meaning hey, you you've, you know the way you keep saving me, uh, and this 
where things start taking a turn. Um, four hours later, uh, the Green Arrow uh, is at the apartment, and again, we get a scene where the uh, the security system that, again, like I said earlier, that all of the, the families of uh, the Justice League have comes up not comes up as nothing happened. So basically, this is saying that this is the second time in four days that the security system that was set up by a whole lot of top tech uh, gets gets defeated. Uh, which this is also it was not necessary, but this part kind of bothered me because knowing what happens in the story is like okay, they don't even say that. Well, they kind of just brief through saving that, but we'll we'll save that for when it happens. Uh, so we see Mr. Miracles there going through the motions of going, you know, checking out the circuitry and stuff like, and saying that everything checks out and that, well, yeah, everything checks out, but there's any number of ways, you know, him, him being an escape artist would know this. There's still any number of ways that somebody could have gotten in there, still not ruling out a teleporter or someone who can ride, um, they make, they make this point, someone who can ride weightier waves, like airwave, mm-hmm. whoever airwave is. Which also touches on another point that I just said, but I won't say anything about it. Um, so anyway, and yeah, so Green Arrow and Mr. Miracle are still talking, and they and basically and this is uh, Green Arrow narrating said, yeah, like yeah, we had all those other people in here the first time, but now we just go straight to the top because now Superman's involved, uh, who wasn't involved uh, in the previous investigation, and he's holding the the knot and the noose, and he basically identifies the knot that was used uh to to um to uh to, to to hold up um to string up Gene Loring and Oracle gets put in to to uh to get called in to uh to, to, to get information on that. They get a suspect uh and Superman's like I want somebody they're talking to him now and they recount what apparently what Gene Loring's story about the attack was and that she saw, you know, the 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 boots that she saw leading them to the person that they end up talking to uh, in the next couple of pages. Um, so, yeah, like I said. And then we cut to the cell of said person whose name is Slepknot, not the uh, not the rock group, <laughs> um, who is, uh, again, we're all getting this from a Green Arrow's perspective also. So... Um, you know, they go to the jail cell to talk to him. He has Wonder Woman with him who strings them up with the lasso of truth. So that is their lie detector, Seth. And apparently this person is uh, a part of... He who's had his uh, arm cut off in a previous thing. And he found... He says he found Cobra and not religion. I don't know what Cobra is in the DC fashion, but it doesn't... You know, I guess I'm assuming that is a serpent society-like uh, situation uh, for the DC universe. Well, like- I was about to say, my understanding is that it's more like a, a, akin to Hydra. Okay. You know, just like a you know, like an evil society, you know, bent on world domination, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, so he tries to talk crack-wise, and when um, Wonder Woman kind of puts the noose around him and almost drags him through the bars, so they talk hold for about... Thought, hold that thought. Sure. I kind of like uh, what Meltzer writes in as uh, Green Arrow's commentary here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, when, yeah. I'll pull that up. Boop. There you go. When, uh, when uh, they're confronting Slipknot in his cell and Green Arrow says to his own surprise, Slipknot is not staring at her rack. 
He's smart. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was right. like, that's oh, a page before. Yeah. Thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. But yeah, so um, so they end up talking for what seems what is said to be an, an hour talking, and they talk to uh, Superman, who is on the, his parents' farm in in Smallville. Uh, and they tell him that he doesn't know anything. Uh, and they also mentioned that it's like, yeah, you know, they, the, they had the last row of truth on him. So he pretty much gave up everything, but you know, and he pretty much gave everything, gave up everything that he knows, even stuff they didn't even want to know. Uh, but he didn't know anything about attacking Gene Loring at that case. Uh, so they're still talking over comms, you know, uh, I was talking to Superman over comms, who's holding up a tractor, just real all willingly with his dad right there. Um, Green Arrow gets a little annoyed at the fact that they're chasing, they're basically chasing ghosts. Um, because it even says here, that it's like, yeah, it's a waste of time. I can feel it in my go- gut. Because um, they have a lead, but the, the lead's, you know, Green Arrow feels like the lead's not going to go anywhere. But then, you know, Hence, sensing the the uh, annoyance in his voice, Superman just comes flying in in suit, just like real quick, like one second after the. Which is another thing they kind of do in this, because you see, like when he's on the farm, like all over the com, he's just in some overalls or whatnot, and then he's just instantly there in the same in the next panel in the Superman group in his gear. Now, yes, he's real fast, so he could, you know, <laughs> it, that's not outside the realm of possibility of Superman. But the fact that they just do that, like, foop. Like it's just like okay, sure. So, you know, like you can't just for a little bit, you know? right? It's like oh, okay, sure. All right, like zoop zoop. All right, cool. Here we go. We're here. We're there to hear. Anyway, so Green Arrow's still kind of annoyed about the fact that they're like kind of just you know they're just kind of, and I feel like this is the Green Arrow that's kind of been portrayed in um, Justice League, the, the animated series, kind of. Yeah, you know so. But anyway, that's so. So if you know for well how he's portrayed there, you you get sense of what's going on here. Uh, he's big even says like, yeah, we're cutting and packing like amateurs. You saw it at the funeral; people starting to pack, and when pe- people start to pack, people taking advantage of it. You know, that's the moment for people taking advantage of it, and that's when we cut to this card game, board game, whatever situation going on with uh, Merlin, uh, Calculator, and a couple of other villains. Uh, I guess that's Kronos. I don't know who that's person, but a couple of villains, villains in this apartment while they're playing a board game, talking about, um, look, this is kind of bad for business because the heat will be on uh, the calculator saying the, the the business, the heat will be on us more because of this going on, and that he hopes whoever, you know, was the one behind these attacks get found because again, that's bad for business for him. Um, and also within this page, we find out that. Uh, Dr. Light's been telling folks that he's been he'd gotten mind wiped um, and all of this is while the news is going on then we cut to Digger Harkness who is um, basically still trying to meet his son again uh, finds out kind of basically stalks him coming out of a movie theater and his son once again um, sees him out in the car and is like uh, you're Captain Boomerang are you my dad which mm-hmm. which he agrees to, and uh, you know there are certain things in this in this in this event that's like okay this just happens and boom that happens real quick this is one of them, so they meet up they start talking um, uh, the son basically recounts a story where the, the news media was trying to you know the tabloids were trying to get him uh, attached to his dad 
And apparently we find out that uh, the sun is a chip off the old block in the boomerang category. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they go for a ride. Uh, then we cut back to the Batcave where, where we finally see uh, Batman uh, for the problem because we hadn't really seen him that much during his whole first, you know, first few things. We see uh, a Robin suit uh, uh, in a case because you know how Batman rolls and he and Alfred is talking and he's even getting to the point uh, that he's pretty much agreeing with uh, Green Arrow despite the fact that they're not talking that hey this is this is going nowhere I mean this 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 how they're receiving is kind of going nowhere they basically say that um, they were because he gets word of the fact that they're the rest of the team the rest of the league is looking at the suicide members suicide squad members as suspects and Batman's like nope it's not them um, cause there's no, ben- cause they don't benefit to this. And Batman kind of goes into, well, you know, in, in, the first thing about any crime is to see who benefits. Hence the title of the, the chapter. Uh, he says it's the first room of false solving crimes. Then we cut back to, um, various scenes of folks like Digger Harkness, you know, with a son, the calculator, just chilling, laying back. And in every one of these ones, you see who benefits. You see an elongated man just sitting on his couch crying, um. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark, I, I keep wanting to say Malcolm Merlin is not Malcolm Merlin. His name is Merlin, but it's not Malcolm Merlin. So listen, I don't want to get that confused because his, his actual name is something else. Who cares? It doesn't even matter. And we also get to Tim Drake and his dad talking. Uh, then we cut to Green Arrow going to visit the grave of Hal Jordan, and the Spectre shows up, who is actually Hal Jordan, which again. This is one of the things that I didn't know know too much about because, like, this month, this is history. I knew how Jordan was the Spectre at some point. I did not know if anybody knew, but apparently Green Arrow did. He may be one of the other ones. I don't know. But, yeah, he's still around and kicking. They talk about, because Green Arrow basically goes to him because to, to, he would know who the killer was. He can't, how uh, Jordan can't say because he's a Spectre. He's a Spectre and he works for God, quote-unquote. And he he's got rules to the shit, so he can't really say. Um, and then you know, the Green Arrow's talking about, yeah, I miss you, real pal. And he even says like, hey, when are you coming back for real, for real? He's like, yeah, soon. So I guess that is talking about some event, whatever event that brings um, uh, Hal Jordan back as Green Lantern. That is assumed anyway. So and then there's a discussion about hey since you're the specter you can go ahead and uh, you can go ahead and take care of and punish these folks but um, Hal's like no I can't because it's not for me to decide who gets punished or who gets not punished because people die every day for what about reason and, and that's kind of not how it works so and then Hal's like hey whoever did it make them pay for it and Green I was like yep uh, I've been sharpening them all week and then this is when we get to the the, the conversation about when Hal's coming back. And then it, it cuts to see Hal saying, I'm working on it. So that yeah. is basically that is basically saying, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, event, something's coming to the words that's bringing me back to the fold proper. Uh, then we cut to Metropolis, Lois Lane and the, the, the planet, where she goes into work, and she's, she's the one monologuing here, and there's a, a, a competing newspaper talking about the attack. Um of uh, Gene Loring, and apparently it's like a not necessarily a newspaper, but well, I guess it is a newspaper. But they, you know, whatever practices they use are not on the up and up. She goes to her death desk, 
uh, and she receives a note uh, that says, and I will put this up on the, the thing, uh, and she's also, during this monologue, she's talking about, you know, Clark Kent, who, you know, she's married to at this point and knows who sees Superman. So that is, a, that is also a point. But she gets a note that says, Lois, I know who your husband is, and the S in husband is has a makeshift kind of a Superman simple uh, way, and you're next. And that is what ends chapter four, Who Benefits. Hmm. So we go to chapter five. All right, chapter five. Up next is chapter five entitled Father's Day, which coincidentally is this weekend. Hmm. So we open with um, Green Arrow looking to hunt down, um, you know, they're still on the case trying to find out uh, who attacked uh, Gene Loring and who killed Sue Dibney uh, and now who sent a death threat to Lois Lane. So um, all hell, as uh, Green Lantern states, has broken loose. Um, three villains, Merlin, Deadshot, and whoever this idiot is with the monocle. Um, is it monocle? Is that his name? Yes, it is. Oh, sweet goodness. <laughs> um, so, uh, so Green Arrow appears to stumble right into a trap, but of course it's not a trap because... The rest of the leaguers that Green Arrow has been teamed up with uh, since the beginning of the story burst through the walls and take down Merlin and Monocle and Deadshot. Deadshot proceeds to shoot himself within the confines of a cube set up by uh, Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern. But Kyle Rayner, like a young idiot, gets shot in the face. Literally shot in the face. How is he not dead? He had a force field up. Come on, you know how they were going to explain that. <laughs> Even though you couldn't see it because the art doesn't suggest nothing of the sort. Right. Gets shot in the face by Deadshot because uh, Kyle Rayner drops the force field long enough to check on Deadshot, uh, Deadshot's uh, uh, bullet wound. But Deadshot, you know, as I said, shoots Kyle Rayner in the face but runs directly into Cal L, a.k.a. Superman. Uh, meanwhile, the rest of this crew is getting um, no, well. The, meanwhile, Merlin is about to get interrogated by Green Arrow, and we flash to some of the other superhero teams, uh, 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 basically narrowing down the uh, the choices by interrogating their particular targets and finding out uh, what they know about the attack on well, about the murder of Sue Dibney and the attacks on everyone else, and nobody knows anything. You gotta love it. We also find out that uh, the interrogations did not all go as planned. Some of the leaguers get taken out, um, specifically, or at least one gets taken out, and that's uh, Firestorm Ronnie Raymond. And I don't know who it is that takes him out. Who is that? The Shadow. So Shadow, the, yeah. So wait, but well, before we get to that, we, there is a in the well that is going on, but at the same time, uh, Ray Palmer Sha- and okay, and, yeah, apologies. Ray, no, no, it's all good. Uh, Ray Palmer, we see a, a scene where Ray Palmer and uh, uh, Gene Lauren together, they're actually kind of getting back together. Right, that's next, right. So so uh, that's literally well, no, the next but, page. We, we don't know 
we don't know exactly what happens to Ronnie Raymond, but something bad happens to him on the page before we get to Gene Loring and Ray Palmer divorcees. Um, sort of, uh, sort of uh, uh, reconciling to a certain extent, or at the very least, you know, making making themselves lovers, as the caption states. And I'll be your friend. Anyway, um, Shining Knight. Shiny, so basically Shadow, yes, as you were saying, Shadow Thief, who, you know, who apparently is might as well be Gollum during this whole thing, uh, steals, goes through, villain, goes through Vixen, uh, steals Shining Knight's sword, and impales, um, whose who's sword is magic, who impales uh, Firestorm. Which basically disrupts his matrix, and that's what ends up killing him. That's so wild. Yeah, I had no idea that sword was meant. Yeah, I don't so know I, that much about Shiny Knight, but I, I've seen mention of it. I did not know what happened to. Like, doesn't he get stabbed all the time? You would think, or or he would have uh, if if he would either get stabbed or he would have changed, transmuted it into something else that wouldn't get him stabbed. And I thought that was a poor way to dispose of. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's a magic sword. Which, weirdly enough, because if you if you're watching the video, you can see Firestorm is holding the sword, which is damn near melted off. Magic, mind you, it's a, a magic sword um, that's damn near melted to the hilt, but still manages to pierce uh, his uh, his suit. And that's when they're like, which actually is a, almost like a scene, again, from Justice League. Uh, I mean, granted, this is well before that. If you think about the second uh, second season of Justice League or the first season of Justice League Unlimited, where Green Arrow actually comes in uh, and Captain Adam, something similar kind of happens to him, where his suit gets ruptured and he goes up and up, up, up his mirror and blows up, although he's right. all right at the end of it. But still, it's something similar to that, but... In this case, this kills Ronnie Raymond, Firestorm, and Vixen is crying. Next, so we flash to we flash to uh, the captain's boomerang, which we, we I'm, I'm spoiling what what ends up happening. Uh, you know, Digger Harkness and his uh, and his son have reunited, and they're practicing with boomerangs. The son decides to chuck a boomerang that's about to whack, um, about to kill Digger Harkness, but the son with uh, flashing some super speed um, runs and grabs Digger Harkness out of the way so that he doesn't get impaled on a boomerang and apparently uh, the kid figures out that contrary to the headlines in the tabloids that Golden Glider is not his mother and Digger Harkness um, uh, admits as much I have no idea who Golden Glider I had no idea who Golden Glider was until I just googled it I didn't bother to google it when I was reading this <laughs> apparently Golden Glider is a super villainous who is the younger sister of Captain Cold her last name is Snart as well right who if you've watched the Arrowverse shows they have introduced and did similarly gotcha gotcha alright um, next up we get to uh, Tim Drake and Jack Drake, father and son. Tim Drake is going out on, you know, is going out to do his thing. Uh, Jack Drake is saying, um, you know, he actually should go. He's not actually going to ask him to, uh, to stay home. But he's asking him to go. Um, but what ends up happening is that uh, 
Jack Drake discovers a package that has a note on it. It says Jack Drake with the R in red and in a circle representing the Robin symbol. Um, and that is the entire note on top of the box. Jack Drake opens the box and finds inside what appears to be a uh, Colt 1911 uh, 45 ACP handgun with the note "Protect Yourself." Um, I would, Jack Drake is. I was going to say, how do you know that? But I forgot what your your yeah. Never mind. So, so, uh, like I said, it appears to be you know art is art. You know they 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 take the reference from wherever they take it. Sometimes guns are just very made up, hmm. but uh, but in any event. Uh, Jack Drake, uh, had, much like the uh, other family members of the uh, the leaguers and the superhero community, has a communicator, and he picks up a communicator and taps into an, a line to Oracle, and uh, he says he tells Oracle that uh, he's trying to reach Robin because he thinks his life might be in danger. Um, we we uh, on the next page we run into uh, someone observing Jack Drake from outside his window speaking on a cell phone uh, uh, talk about being dated a, fl- uh, a flip phone with an extendable uh, antenna so uh, the very next panels uh, show us that Dr. Midnight and uh, Mr. Terrific, it's Mr. Terrific right? Yes. And Mr. Terrific are continuing the autopsy on Sue Dibney and they're worried that she's about to start decomposing uh, because it's taking so long for them to run through all of the various possibilities. Um, we flash back to Jack Drake and the fact that someone really is trying to break into his home. Um, Jack Drake is on the line with Oracle right now, and she's trying to get um, uh, a hold of uh, Robin as all this is happening. This is all happening very quickly. Uh, Jack Drake finally decides to... Uh, take the gun from the box because he hears a thump on the roof. Robin is in the Batmobile with Batman, and uh, they receive the call from Oracle saying that uh, Robin's dad is in trouble. Batman uh, does a 180 in the Batmobile and is speeding back towards uh, Robin's uh, family home. Uh it's a pretty this is actually I think one of my favorite sequences in this yeah. entire series. I think this is well done despite the fact that I'm I don't think Rags Morales's art in this sequence is its strongest as a, as it is later on in his career. I think the sequence is very well done though. The panel sequence and the mm-hmm. the, the way the story the way the story is told, the storytelling, you know, within these panels I think is pretty solid. So essentially we have a home invasion going on and Robin is on the line with uh, his father and Oracle and um, you know in the, a, a, as the, this home invasion starts to uh, proceed Batman tries to get uh, Wally West on the line but we know where Wally is he's off doing one of his investigate you know he's off uh, investigating um, the murder of Sue Dibney and, and, and the assault on Gene Loring so he's not picking up the line you know, Batman's trying to get the fastest man alive to intervene, but to no avail. Um, the uh, the home invasion continues. 
uh, Batman says, not again, while Jack Drake is telling him to, uh, you know, just keep keep his son safe. The next, as I said, this is actually really effective storytelling as we hear, um, as we hear uh, a message that uh, Digger Harkness left his son uh, talking about how he's, he's about to be famous for something that he did. And we also have uh, Jack Drake continuing to talk to Tim Drake when Digger Harkness makes his entrance in the home invasion. Ultimately, and in a you know kind of a corny way, they exchange fire, where Digger Harkness takes three shots to the chest, but still somehow is able to get off a really accurate boomerang toss that finds its mark on Jack Drake, and we are left with the two bodies bleeding out on the floor of the Drake home at the end of chapter five. They let the bodies hit the floor. Oh no! That was terrible. Right? Somebody, terrible. Somebody was gonna think it. So. Hey, boo! <laughs> it was awful. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. Oh, stop! You chuckled. I can see it. Anyway, we are going to, and we're actually rounding this back up because this is, I forgot to mention earlier that this is a seven-part uh, series, so we're rounding it on home here with this. Uh, yeah, with yeah, with uh, chapter six, husbands and wives. Um, so, yeah, as a matter of fact, I will show. Let's see, there's the cover to. Oops, there we go. Just cover to chapter six. There is the quote of the time uh, that happens in the course of this issue that I just flashed on the video. If you're watching, you should be. Uh, then we cut to the actual story where Tim Drake, Robin, is running upstairs, taking off his uh, Robin outfit for some strange reason uh, to go check on his dad. You know, which is one thing he's always, I guess, you know, during the course of this whole thing, it was something always. And I guess just worth noting here and now is that so the most of the time that we see Robin, he's at home with his dad, spending ta- time with his dad because of the um, the previous uh the previous uh, assaults, uh, you know, he wanted to spend as much time as with his dad and not going out on, you know, patrols as much. He, even one point uh, calling hooky, calling in hooky because he wanted to spend time with his dad because he was kind of worried. But anyway, uh, so he gets upstairs, gets to his dad, who we see with, um, you know, with the, the, the boomerang still stuck in his chest. Uh, and uh, we see the specter of Batman behind him. Uh, so, you know, Tim's trying to pull out the, the boomerang, uh, which apparently is not coming out. Bruce comes in and, uh, excuse me, Batman, same person, comes in uh, while, you know, Dick is just, I mean, not Dick, uh, Tim is just crying his eyes out trying to get his, uh, trying to get this this boomerang out. You know, so it's a real pretty graphic scene, including this one right here that I'm putting up where uh, you see Batman holding Tim Drake with uh, part of his uh, Robin uniform and Tim just still continue to cry over like directly over the body of his dad with Captain Boomerang in the background um, so yeah this is, this is kind of wonderful weirdly enough this is at one point a little bit more touching than what happened to Sue Dibney which is a bad thing to say because um, mm-hmm. that was bad enough as it is but we were, but it gets, that part gets worse in the, the later issue. Anyway, 
Uh, we cut to Digger Harkness's son uh, going to the scene of the crime. You know, after uh, after listening to the the um, which how does he even know? Well, I guess well it's on the news, so that's how he knows. But um, you know, the, the, you know, you know what that part doesn't even matter. So he goes to the apartment to, to try and look for his dad. Uh, there's this agent who we don't even know who this person is. Uh, some agent of something who is at the door of the crime scene while you know the police line and the and the the uh, you know the the news people are there. Uh, so I guess his name is Owen Mercer. So Owen goes talk to this agent because he. Let's say hold that thought. It actually says in the news report in what police are calling a botched robbery, the body of Captain Boomerang has been. So that's how the son knows how to get there. Well, no, no, yeah, no, I got that part. Yeah, that's like that part. Yeah, that part. Like I said, it was it was on the news. But the the person that uh, uh, Owen Mercer is talking to, uh, we don't know his name. So uh, some rando, yeah, some rando agent, and then and basically he doesn't get to see his dad, and uh, Owen knows his Batman just sitting right there um, with the note that says "Protect yourself" that that Jack received. Uh, and Owens is like, you know, Owens is like, why is he here? Why is he here? Pointing to Batman, and they just like, I don't even know who you're talking about. Who who you're talking about? Like, you might just leave. Like, th- he's even going so far as to say, there's no one here but us agents, which means they're basically disavowing the fact that Batman's there. You know, so uh, and he even kind of escorts uh, Owen out and says, like, this is not the time to, to pick fights. You just got to go. Um, you know. You got to get just go home. Then we cut to the newspaper of, um, you know, the newspaper headline of uh, uh, Jack Drake dying, who apparently was an adventurer. I Uh, did not know. I didn't either. So I guess Tim got it, honestly. I don't know. And I didn't uh, I didn't bother to go check and see who who Jack Drake was, if he had a name or whatever the case may be. Um, But we cut to this. This is sometime a little after uh, the funeral. And we see Green uh, uh, Green Arrow in the civvies uh, talking to his son Connor, who is also in a uh, costume adventurer at this point. Um, um, I'm, I'm guessing he's Speeder. I don't know who he is at this point. It doesn't even matter. But it, um, but yeah, but uh, Oliver's kind of sitting there with his coffee and wants to hug his son because of what's going on. Uh, and uh, Connor comes in and is like, yeah, aren't we supposed to go to Ted's, a.k.a. Wildcats? And he's like, no, no, no fighting today, and then just hug me. Just just hug me. And then they cut to, uh, you know, kind of a little montage of people they said that says, and this is all from uh, Green Arrow's uh, perspective, uh, we've all lost brothers, sisters, son, and we cut to different people in the league who's lost uh, folks. Um who's lost folks along the way. They, there's a picture of Hal Jordan. Then there's a, I guess that's, I think that's Tara. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, Aquaman and, and Martian Manhunter and who, with their respective losses. And then it cuts again to Ralph Disney, who's still crying his behind off. Uh, and, uh, Iris West who lost Barry. Um, and I, I guess after herself had died, but she somehow miraculously comes back. I'm not sure what the case was about that. Somewhere in here, Wonder Woman's mom died, and then of course goes to Batman and the various losses between him and you know the the uh, his various wards, his various Robins at the time, which was only two. 
Uh, then we cut to Captain Cole, who finds who's watching the news and finds out about Captain Boomerang's death, and he's talking to uh, uh, the calculator. I'm assuming I'm not sure who he's talking to actually, but then he finds out that uh, Boomerang's son Owen is now becoming the new Captain Boomerang. Uh, who we see at uh, Digger Harkness's grave with the picture with the the front page story that he's that uh, his dad promised that was going to be there. Um, then we cut to one Clark Kent and Lois Lane in their apartment. Um, you know, and they hug and, and talk about how hard it was, and hard. And Clark says how it's been hard as it's been has been in a while. Then we cut to a court case where the three aforementioned villains that were apprehended last uh, last issue, um, Merlin, Deadshot, and uh, the Monocle, pretty much they 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 scalp. they they are they get let out of jail because the, the case is a non-starter and has something to do with uh, the, the Suicide Squad. Well, part of it, at least with Deadshot, has to do with the Suicide Squad. So, so they all get let go, so they're free to go. Then we cut to Doctor Light, who is who is brooding in his chair and seemingly scheming. Um, and basically Green Arrow say, says during this whole thing, like, yep, everything's, everybody's pretty much going back to doing what they do best. So that's where we see Dr. Light. And then we see uh, the new boomerang suiting up for the first time. And, you know, makes a proclamation about, Hey, you ever seen one of these thrown at super speed, blah, blah, blah. Then we cut to Green Arrow, who is on some rooftop that, Seemingly is stalked by death, uh, Deathstroke, uh, who leaves him a note says, uh, "This is yours. We're not done." And it's uh, basically Deadpool. Dead, Deadpool. Sorry, Dead Deathstroke's mask. Uh, the one that the the Green Arrow put a hole in, uh, like last issue, a couple of, or two issues ago, and basically says that we're not done. Um, then the. Wally West shows up as Flash and uh, who says that he's already checked, he's gone, and then they talk about Boomerang uh, and the burial of the body they're in, and you know, Wally knowing that the the, the, the rogues are probably going to bury him somewhere who knows, whatever. Uh, and then them two talk about, go back to talking about Dr. L- uh, well, talk about you know the fact that they got got by Boomerang or one of their own got got by Boomerang. Uh, then those two talk, go back to pretty much talking about, uh, well, Green Arrow's, you know, Green Arrow's savvy. He's like, I don't know, you know, what are you really here for, uh, Wally? And Wally basically says that, hey, when we got our butt kicked by Dr. Light, um, he caught flashes of, you know, that same picture that we have seen a couple of different times. But when he, when Dr. Light was getting his uh, memories back, but with the, an additional person that we had did not mission before now, Wally decides to bring this up now and said that, hey, you said you were seven of you. And then was like, so? But when Dr. Light did what he did, there's a, another person. Uh, Batman was basically there. So why didn't you mention the fact that Batman was there? Which brings another little wrinkle to this story into the play. In that we find out that, um, skipping ahead just a little bit, we find out that this league uh, also wiped out Batman's memories but we're starting to try to get to that point because Green Arrow doesn't necessarily say it right here right now uh, so yeah we found out that Z- while Zatanna we get flashback to when Zatanna was messing with Dr. Uh, Dr. Light's memories uh, that Batman 
pretty much came back to the Watchtower, which he never, which he rarely ever knows, does after, because even they, they go back to the thing with, um, yeah, after the cleanup, like Superman and Batman don't stick around for the cleanup. But apparently, since this was Sue too, too Dibney, Batman did come back and caught them wiping Dr. Light's memories. Needless to say, he was pissed, which is weird for Batman, considering because Columbus things we know him to do. I'm talking talking about Tower of Babylon. Uh, anyway, uh, which or maybe in relation to this is why he did. We don't even know. But um, he comes in, interrupts that. The Zatanna stops him with the spell, and they get the idea to wipe Batman's memories. Uh, and they go through the whole process, and I believe this is when they keep cutting back to uh, that one that shot that Green Arrow did against Hawkman, because that kind of comes up a couple of different times because them two had opposing opinions on how things should be. Um. But they also said, like, yeah, we had done stuff up until then, like the mission mentioned, but this was kind of the one that, that, that kind of broke us. Um, so Wally's like, yeah, you, you, he's basically livid. Like, how could you even do that? Like, you couldn't do that to Batman. And, and, and like, and Wally's, I mean, and Olive was like, you don't think Batman would do such a thing? Which we all know he probably would if he could. Um, Wally doesn't believe he would do that. And, you know, Ollie's like, yeah, you believe what you want to. And he goes into this whole tirade about, look, we did this to protect the people we love kind of situation because there are people out there that are that would be after us with this information. That's just me paraphrasing. Uh, and then they cut to the fact that it was like, hey, do, do you think Bruce knows? And of course, you know, this is like he, the man's a detective. He always has an idea. So there is some assertion that maybe he possibly has a wind of this. But, you know, you know, because he's because of who he is, he probably knows. Uh, order or something of it. Anyway, we cut to the calculator who's talking to Mo Merlin um, and talking about they them getting out of jail or getting they're they're basically talking about their trailer and how they got off. Um, you know, and that whole thing. We see Batman seemingly um, what it looks like is Batman kind of coming up on the calculator, but it comes to be not that case. Uh, he comes up on an empty room with a with the uh, with a TV on it and a note for him that says, "Bats, we're not all mor- morons." So it's basically like the calculator saying, "Hey, I knew you were coming." Um, and they're also talking about calculator and Merlin are also talking about, well, why did you set up boomerang? And calculator's like, "I didn't do it, but somebody sent the uh, somebody sent um, uh, Tim's dad that gun." for some other reasons as if to say somebody else set up boomerang and whoever called in the order might've been the one to do it. So, so calculator said like, no, I wouldn't do that to my friend. He was my friend. Plus it's bad for business, but that's da, 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 da. we cut back to the autopsy of Sue Dibney, uh, with Dr. Midnight. And apparently, uh, Dr. Midnight has discovered some other thing, which we will get to at the end of this issue. Uh, in a microscope. Then we cut back to the back cave where Batman's kind of thinking about some stuff. Um, and we kind of cut, get interspersing scenes of Batman in the back cave trying to f- puzzle some stuff out or basically physical, uh, figuring some stuff out. And Dr. Midnight and Mr. Terrific talking about what Dr. Midnight has found in Sue Dibney's brain, which ends up being the thing that's going to bring this back, bring this all together. 
Uh, so we're going to come to find out that uh, basically there are footprints in in uh, Sue Dibney's brain, which denotes someone was microscopic and inside of her brain at the time, which would only lead to someone that they know of at the time, and that would be the Atom. So they sent out... So Batman's, uh, who not even is aware of this, that this other thing going on, basically puts out a call to find uh, Ray Palmer, uh, as I will see here. And he calls uh, John John Jones, Martian Manhunter. And this, again, the scenes are still interspersing between each other. But we, then we cut to Ray Palmer, who is uh, still with Gene Loring, who they've seemingly gotten back together. Um... And but instead of saying Gene Palmer and Ray, uh, I mean, excuse me, Gene Loring and Ray Palmer divorcee, they have lovers, as you can see from uh, the 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 uh, picture, the, the the thing I have up right now. You see Ray Palmer kind of looking, I guess, happyish, uh, as the art would detail. I don't even know; it's some weird looking art in this whole thing. But um, they they talk about Captain Boomerang, and this is uh, so. In the next issue, this is where it starts to turn uh, because it's the last issue. And this is where it gets like they basically say, all right, we are going to end this. We're just going to clean this up real real nice and neat. And I'm not happy with the way they end it, sort of. But the last page of this issue is that um, uh, they're basically getting ready to have sex. Right. And I'm going to. Oh, go ahead. No, no, that's it. That's it. I was going to say, I was going to in that. We find ourselves the story if, like this could have done another two issues, or at least another issue. Yeah. So we get a nice, yeah, and we be seen an outcome. We get from the seven and resolution of seems very, and it seems very. Yeah, it definitely was. It doesn't feel like well, we need to end this, and so we're just kind of just cleaned up, just chop chop way ABC chopped us. It's almost as if he didn't know how to end it and just went ahead and said, all right, I'm just putting everything out on the table. At least in my... It appeared to me. So. Yeah. All right. And now we're going to get into the last chapter of uh, Identity Crisis, issue seven. All right. Uh, Identity Crisis, issue number seven, entitled The Hero's Life. We open the issue right on the heels of the events of issue number six, where uh, Ray Palmer and Gene Loring are now in cap- are now captioned as lovers, and uh, they're about to uh, uh, do the dirty, you know, get busy, all the uh, all the euphemisms that you can think of. But at the same time, word has gotten out from Doctor Midnight and Mister Terrific and Batman through the Martian Manhunter that the culprit behind the murder of Sue Dibney uh, did it on a microscopic level. So. You know, simultaneously, Ray Palmer is having a discussion with uh, Gene Loring, and without even trying, really, the the um, the uh, the cat, you know, the cat comes out of the bag when Gene Loring essentially slips and she lets it go, not unlike several uh, tropes and murder mysteries on television and in movies, right. where she mentions something that uh that wasn't public information 
Right, and here's old, where and here's pretty much where it all just gets dumped, and 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 everything's just let slip, like like Agent Seven says. It's like really, it's just like just like that, just some casual conversation they just had, and whoops. Exactly. Only the murderer would know this, so that's you know it's one of those, uh, you know, it, it's definitely a trope of this particular you know murder mystery genre story. Uh, essentially. Um, you know the, the the truth gets out, and when Ray confronts Jean with it, she basically slips into whatever you know insanity had been bubbling right under the surface that she had been suppressing the, the, this entire time. Right. You know, and not only, time. And, sorry, and, and not only that. So Ray, you know, and as we said, like Ray's a smart guy. He's a physicist. He's got two degrees, and the like the the. The leap in logic to he goes from wait, how do you know about that? And like, granted, that that part, you know, is obviously something that'll give you pause because it wasn't something that was just like, yeah, wasn't information that was just readily available. But then he just goes from wait, um, like, did you like he basically went to wait? Did you send the note? Did in the gun? And then the wait, wait, were you the killer in the span of a page? Like, again, like he's a, he's a smart guy. But this was like it was like real fast. It was just like ploop. Oh wait, you did all of this? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. It definitely moved very quickly. Definitely moved very quickly within the span of as you said, as you said, within a page. But at the same time, um, time moves differently in between in between comic book panels. So there's definitely <laughs> yes, there's definitely some pacing here. You know, don't don't let us. Uh, you know, you know, don't let our uh, dis- disdain for the how this developed uh, take away from some of the work that Rags Morales did in the layout of this page. When you know there is, there there are definitely a few beats in between each each statement, each exclamation, each response, each excuse that uh, these two provide each other. So when Ray Palmer snaps and realizes what happens and snaps at her at Jean Loring and says uh, you know answer me and you can just sort of hear his <laughs> thoughts you know you can hear his thoughts being you know being played out you know as they're being played out in caption uh, we find out that he essentially jumps to the correct conclusion as you said that Jean uh, Loring finds one of his uh, older Adam suits in storage in their house, you know, in, in, his, in like a box of his old belongings. And he figures that that's how she was able to uh, do the deed and, and, uh, and, and proceed with the, uh, the murder or at least the accidental, uh, you know, the manslaughter. But uh, we, have, we eventually find out that uh, Jean Lauren didn't mean to kill Sue Dibney in that she just missed Ray Palmer. She really missed him. And all she wanted to do was knock Sue Dibney out. How nuts is that? Right. Like out of out of like there's been some there's been some crazy plots in 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 and out of uh comic books, let's face it. But um let's talk about that Tiger King situation, which I still haven't seen, but I keep hearing things about. Anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like yeah, and we'll, we'll we'll definitely get to that. But yeah, like okay, so she patches this whole thing. 
just so she can get Ray's attention again so they can get back together. Not only that, but, you know, it would have the, the unintended consequence, which we'll talk about in, in a little bit. But so, um, but yeah, it's, it's it, the whole thing is crazy. Let's just go ahead and finish this and so I can, uh, I'll finish my thoughts on that when we finish this. Sure. I mean, there isn't all that much that happens in this issue, to be honest. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, this is basically the exposition dump as to what happens and then, the you know, just scrubbing it all out. Right. Right. Essentially, uh, you know, we go through the step by step, you know, as, as I said earlier, we see the uh, the insanity that uh, Gene Loring had been suppressing essentially this entire series come come right to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and just her expressions. And as much as I've been critical of Rags Morales's art throughout this series, I think this particular sequence of pages other than i mean i i didn't think the the tim drake um uh you know the sequence where uh was it jack drake where jack drake gets uh gets killed with yeah. uh in his battle against uh the first captain, captain rank mm-hmm. i thought that was strong i thought the sequence was strong I, I wasn't so keen on the art but i think the facial expressions in this particular sequence of pages is pretty strong especially her uh gene loring's insanity pic uh 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 images you know like the you know seeing the the crazy blank state blank smiles that she that she puts on mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy and it's pretty effective right and let's not forget so not only that so when she starts going into the explanation is into the things uh real quick like when when ray confronts her with her she's like I didn't mean to, and then she's like still like asking all innocent, and mm-hmm. then she starts going into you know what happened, or or she basically says, um, you know, she makes a d- attempt to explain why she did it, and then she turns around and goes back and says like, yeah, I've been I've been practicing with the suit, and you know this and that, and that so I wouldn't get it wrong, but also I brought a bunch of extra weapons just in case, just in case, and of course. As you said, she shrunk some other weapons just in case, and that is exactly how uh, she tries to cover up um, the fact that she, you know, basically screwed up in her attempt to just knock out uh, Sue Dibney. So, mm-hmm. it, it, uh, it, you know, it got messy pretty quick. And in the aftermath, of course, she uh, does the uh, she tries to frame someone else for the uh, the staged attempt on her own life and yes. we go through that sequence mm-hmm. and um you know ray palmer is doing his darndest to try to you know to try to hold back you know uh, just try to hold back period mm-hmm. but it gets pretty it gets pretty uh it gets pretty disconcerting a few pages into their exchange where again i as i mentioned earlier some of the facial expressions uh, in this sequence are among the strongest pieces of art by Rags Morales in the series. And I, I specifically refer to a couple of um, panels where Ray Palmer is asking, do you have any idea what you've done? And Jean Lauren crosses her arms and basically gives Ray Palmer some side eye saying, what now you're mad don't look at me like that ray you should be thanking me oh right. i get it now comes the condemnation 
you know. Right. And, and then, then she yeah, says, then she just flips Ray. into the vi- yeah, she just flips into the victim mode. Right. She says, "Please, Ray, you're no Bruce. You're not Bruce." You know, she's she's basically saying, "You're not going to do anything to me. You're not going to hit me. You're not going to do anything." And it's just really disconcerting. Mm-hmm. So, so all, oh no, no, I was about to say. So I was probably going to get the same place you were. So ultimately, we we start seeing where where we have issues with the with you know outside of everything else in this in, in this. Uh, well, it's not obvious because we didn't actually have much else bad to say up until this point about and well that and art about this thing. So yeah, so now we get into you know. Uh, you know, pretty much it's like, all right, so now that that's out of the way, we go into what happens after that, you know, but the, the whole, this is where things just really took the turn. Like it's, right. like I was saying earlier, and it's like, and I, I remember this, and it was like, all right, oh man, this is this is bad. Anyway, go ahead and continue, sorry. No, I agree, I agree. I just want, you know, I'll, you know not to dwell too much on this, but hmm. uh, I, 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 I concur because this is my first time, and I've said this earlier in the show, this is my first time reading this event all the way through in its entirety, and I was very disappointed to see how quickly the uh, the, the mystery was unraveled and the, uh, the intentions and the motives behind uh, what ended up being the accidental, you know, the, 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 the accidental murder of Sue Dibney. So, uh, you know, we go to, you know, we, we move into the realm of uh, you know insanity, mental incapacity, and we find out that uh, Gene Loring is locked away in Arkham, and Ray Palmer essentially has to leave her there, and doesn't even uh, you know essentially doesn't even want to uh, think about uh, Gene Loring anymore. The sequence that follows is uh, Ray Palmer shrinking himself into. Uh, and I jokingly refer to this as the quantum realm, you know, going beyond subatomic. You know, we have a we have a new lingo for this. We have a new lexicon for this uh, in the aftermath of the two, and I say two Ant Man movies. DC stays losing. We have two Ant Man movies already. So uh, you know that's uh, you know fans of the show will understand what I mean when I say we already have two Ant Man movies. <laughs> So, you know, that's where Ray Palmer goes. And in the aftermath of, of uh, Gene Loring's incarceration, we, fo- we finally catch up with some of the other heroes that we've seen throughout the series. Black Canary and Zatanna still haven't heard from, uh, from Ralph, uh, from Ralph Dibney, a.k.a. the Elongated Man. Um, we've, we catch up with uh, Black Lightning and Katana, uh, eating over, you know, catching up with each other over dinner again. Um, we have uh, Clark and Ma Kent in the cornfields. Mr. Miracle figuring out, oh, so that's how it happened. It makes some sense. Mm-hmm. And poor animal, poor animal Man and his wife are, you know, having breakfast and Animal Man's wife is reading uh, the DC version of the National Enquirer <laughs> with stories of you know, just bad stories about what's happening to Gene Loring in while she's being uh, kept at Arkham. So, and apparently she's not the only one reading the Inquirer. Exactly, exactly. We find out that um, that that uh, groups of villains are, um, are are catching up on that as well. 
We also see that uh, Firehawk has hung up her costume. Uh, we see that uh, Tim Drake is not answering calls from Nightwing, uh, and and for for good reason. Uh, you know, you know. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ralph Dibney has actually had a chance to talk to Green Arrow, and yeah, I, think, I see I think, now. I think Black Canary and, and Zatanna were talking about the Adam. I think. Possibly. Yeah. It's we, we're not. Tell. We're not really sure about that, but yeah. Right, it's definitely hard to tell. I presume that it was uh, Ralph Dibney, but you could be right. It could be the Atom because it's presumed that he's gone subatomic and disappeared. So mm-hmm. you're probably right. You're probably right. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Roddy Cat probably pointed me out to this. Um, the best where Green Arrow is essentially telling the elongated man to simply talk to uh, Sue Dibney because she she can hear every word. And uh, that will come into play, I guess, in the epilogue of the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's several, you know, there's several endings to the story. It's much like uh, Lord of the Rings uh, Return of the King. Um, in the Watchtower... Wally West and uh, Oliver Queen are chit-chatting, trying to trying to uh, uh, you know kind of uh, catch up over uh, over coffee. Wally extends an invitation to uh, Green Arrow that he misinterprets as a, as a as an invitation to join or rejoin the Justice League as a reserve member. But all Wally wanted to do was to ask him to uh, go to dinner uh, sometime. And, uh, you know, Ali does accept after he finally figures out what the deal is, but realizes that uh, Wally is still creeped out by uh, um, everyone using, uh, well, by, by uh, having, but, you know, he's creeped out by the Justice League having been revealed to have mind-wiped uh, Batman's mind as well. And what's funny about this, and, and I just thought about this on our second go-around on this, Think about the character. Think about the characterization and the portrayal of Wally West here, which, you know, the character who was the only Flash to so many people, and now think about what they've done to him in the recent past. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, Wally's gotten gotten it bad lately. You know, and I know that they're they're not, me, OG not, Wally, but you know, because there is the other Wally. Exactly. Exactly. What I was going to say is that they are trying to sort of redeem the character. You know, I, uh, I don't think you read this week's issue of Dark Knight's Metal. Uh, Excellent! And, uh, you know, there are, there, are, um, there are developments for the Wally West, the OG Wally West character in, you know, in his new role as kind of like the new Metron, you know, sitting in the Mobius chair. So... You know, we'll see where that goes, but it's it's kind of you know it, it, before I get back to the book, it's kind of uh, disheartening to see how Wally really played as the heart, you know, and even the conscience of the Justice League at this point, you know, kind of doubling in those two in in those two uh, regards, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and just to see where they've taken that character since with the return of Barry Allen as the Flash, but. Uh, you know, essentially, you know, their their discussion ends on, uh, you know, the the Justice League endures all of the bumps and and, and, and twists and turns that they encounter 
uh, on the road that they have to travel. So it's you know it's just a it's it's a way to kind of heal and move forward. Mm. Yeah, I do Which like la- uh, where okay. Green where when they were talking, Green Arrow was like, uh, well, because when they were talking. Uh, you know, and they they brought up uh, they brought up Gino and that kind of stuff, and then you know it's like talking about that mess situation, and Green Arrow just is like, well, if you want to choose a good enemy, choose a friend. They know exactly where to strike, and and Wally just looks at him like you're you're a whack job, aren't you? But also, you could also take that as like because I don't know when Tower of Babel happens, wherein you know Batman basically. Uh, you know, it's found out that Batman has has uh, files on all the, the the league. I don't know if that was before this or after this. It might have been after this. I can't remember. But like Batman has files on all the league and, and contingencies to to, to to deal with everybody. So you could kind of take that as like this is <laughs> like that could also be uh, something on along the lines of this also because it's well because it's true. But it's before it's before Tower this. Of Babel, okay. Right, Tower of Babel is just is a Justice League storyline. From 2000, it's actually a full four years before the uh, identity crisis, right? But none of that gets brought up. I mean, that part doesn't get brought up here, but just that line, you know, you would think that would have that would have kind of come back into play, but it didn't, right? So, but anyway, so rounding this all out, yeah, Batman visits the grave of uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne and asks them to take care of Jack Drake and uh, their friend Sue Dibney. Uh, We flash to Clark and Ma Kent who are just, you know, having a discussion in the cornfields getting Mm. Clark to kind of get back in the game. And another quick flash costume change. Exactly. 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 Essentially, uh, you know, Ma Kent and I avoid calling her Martha because... You know how the you know the effect of that is on people. How do you know that name? <laughs> so, uh, in any event, and, and it sounds like audio is kind of going, and I'll, I'll I'll get this done quickly. We flash to the Justice League Watchtower again, and you know it's kind of returning to business as usual during a week. You know, whenever their their regular meetings are. Um, they're, they're talking about the members are talking about arrangements with uh, other super teams for training and dinner schedules with um, the Justice Society of America. Um, Batman notices that Wally West Flash is still you know, kind of looking at him with um, trepidation because of what he's found out, and Batman. You know, wants to know you know what the problem is, and that Wally should say what he's thinking, but Wally clams up, doesn't say anything. The meeting does get adjourned, and uh, you know, for for uh, DC fans out there, you know that this actually does get followed up on in another miniseries. So there is a thread to be picked up right there. Mm-hmm. Lastly, in the book, there is an epilogue, as I mentioned earlier where uh, we, we uh, find ourselves inside the Dibney household. Uh, we see uh, a fl- you know, flower arrangements with uh, deepest sympathies cards, um, empty beer bottles and empty pizza boxes at, uh, uh, you know, near by the garbage can. We see, we see a wall of 
uh, awards and um, and uh, and commendations that Ralph has received in his career as elongated man, and all the while we're uh, we're basically uh, reading a conversation that he's having with someone, and we re- we realize that, and and Roddy Cap put me onto this the first on our first go around that Ralph was essentially talking to Sue, and this was a way for him to help cope with the loss, and. The last caption in the book is, as the lights go out and Ralph goes to bed, uh, Ralph and Sue Dibney, husband and wife. And that ends this particular miniseries. Yep. Um, so, yeah, like I said, the this whole, you know, this whole, I, like I said, and this is not my first time reading this. This is, uh, this is my first time in a good minute to read this. And once it even got to... Actually, no, it wasn't even that. Cause, so most of the pretty much way to do I knew how this uh, event was going to end. And I pretty much knew how it was going to end. Right. But just getting to that part where it all the explanation gets dumped out. And re- just remembering, oh, right. Yeah, it just quickly just went from like, like from 60 to 0. Or you know, forty fifty, I guess at this point, because it's not like this. This you know, this wasn't a full fledged like action, uh, action event, unlike the other ones. This was a little bit more personal, a little more darker than than the other events that we've covered. I mean, still potentially good, but it's like, oh yeah, right. So it's all boils down to uh, a quote unquote crazy ex lover who's trying to get back, you know, with her lover. And hatches this weird, and also the quote unquote crazy woman, you know, the thing that's kind of a stereotype in certain places. I'm like, okay, this is. Uh, um, but up until then, it's like, yeah, this wasn't, this wasn't a, a bad, wasn't a bad event. Like there are some things that got brought up that doesn't normally get brought up, like you know the cleanup after the, um, after after. Um, a big fight, you know the 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 lives of the the superheroes' families. You know that what if their identities got out, or what if someone was be was able to, you know, reach the loved ones of uh, superheroes? Like what happens in that situation like that? And we get a whole lot of that in in, in this one. And unfortunately, it is like I said under the guise of this. Like well, hey, you know this this person wanted to get back with their ex, and now, you know this whole big elaborate plan that, you know, has some sort of far-reaching, you know, has, has some uh, far-reaching extension, goes on. But then it just is like, well, yep, this all happens, and then all right, she gets put away. You know, uh, the the Adam leaves until until we see him again in uh, Blackest Night. And everybody just kind of goes on, like do do do. And poor Ralph Disney's, you know, is in a state when he is. Also, which would be no, worth noting on a side note that um, I do know that in the Arrowverse, uh, Ralph Disney has a long man has been introduced in the last couple of seasons, and there is a Sue Deering, aka the future Sue Dibney, that I think has recently. Uh, shown about no word as to whether they plan on doing identity crisis I would doubt that they would do something I would doubt they would do that and also I know there has been a Gene Loring that showed up on one of the shows but not in a prominent feature 
right? That's a tough story to tell. On yeah. TV. And plus, even in that situation, because most of the folks on the Arrowverse knows, like, the secret's not, there's not even a real secret identity pretty much in the Arrowverse, with, at least within each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in certain, certain folks outside, you know, in their lives pretty much know who the person is at this person at this point, but there's no, I doubt they would do this, but, but, but it has come up in the past. It's like, well, yeah, they guess they could potentially do this, but I, I, I very much doubt it because they would have to change so much. Well, they would have to change a couple of good things, not so much, but sure to, to get this done. Oh, it's just a tough you know, I, I'm glad I read it, but at the same time, I definitely see why this story is seen as kind of problematic from a lot of perspectives. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, this you know this kind of uh, you know starts down the road of you know heroes doubting other heroes, you know doubting their motivations. Um, if I'm not mistaken, this is a precursor to what happens in uh, Marvel Civil War. Uh, the first one that sounds right yeah so you know this definitely was the first of or one of the first uh, stories in which groups of heroes take sides against each other against each other because of you know actions undertaken um, you know you know during uh, during their adventures so mm-hmm. so uh, was, oh yeah I guess there was something else I had the intention to, to mention real quick because we had talked about you talked about Rags Morales and the art and I've read this miniseries from the um, from the, the the trade, and they and they've redone the trade and, and added some stuff to it. And I believe that is the version that I that I that I own. So right. uh, there is a thing like right after the end of the um, there's a, a series of uh, articles after after the end of you know after the end of the event. One, the first of which is from, it's called Casting Identity Crisis. Rag, Rag, Rags Morales reveals the inspiration for the miniseries' key players. So, and in this, he pretty much goes into saying his, um, you know, what his inspirations for in drawing the characters, um, a lot of the characters that are used in here, such as, and I know some people of a certain vintage will not know some of these names, but I'll just go through a couple of them. Uh, like for instance, elongated man. He patterned it after Danny Kay, who's an uh, as an act an old actress actor. Excuse me. Uh, with Dick Van Dyke, the original model for the character. He says, in fact, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore were the actual models for Ralph and Two Dibney. Uh, used the white haired Dick Van Dyke and a remorseful, remorsefully hugging Mary Tyler Moore as relatives. Uh, but then he goes on to say, Don Wells. Uh, America's sweetheart, just a, just a little twist of the knife in your subconscious, to in who he patterned uh, Sue Dibney as, and Don Wells, if you did not know, uh, is is um I'm gonna say this right this time, Marianne from <laughs> from from Gilligan's Island, and yes, folks, if it's not been apparently not that this last part is being re-recorded because of the issues we I would have already said prior to the show, um. So, Firehawk, Patty Hearst, Green Arrow, Lane Staley, Staley. Uh, Gene Laurie is a uh, pattern after Leslie Ann Warren, you know, uh, Adam, a, a young Powell Newman, Newman, et cetera, et cetera. So, it kind of goes on to, the, the, to there, you know. And there's basically, you know, actors where he's patterned their, their likenesses from 
for pretty much everybody that shows up and a couple of who didn't actually show up uh, I believe so that that doesn't necessarily fully explain the art but you can but if you ever get to read this and see if like yeah okay this is why these folks kind of sort of look like other people which is yeah. not an uncommon thing in comics you know from certain from certain folks so but that is that yeah. All right. I believe we said what? Clicks of the week. All right. Uh you know we you know we discussed this the other, you know, you know when we our, our first go around and I think I'm going to still stick with my choice. I'm going to go with issue I believe it's number 5. Yes. Number 5 where there is a really well well orchestrated sequence that ends badly for Jack Drake, but it's such a great sequence of pages. You can tell that, uh, you know, uh, when they plotted this issue, it was done with a lot of care. And as I said, while some of the art gets, I don't want to say spotty, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem to ring true all the time, but I can definitely tell you that the expressions again are some of the strongest in the series. You know, it's it's among the strongest uh, uh, parts of the art in the series, and I think issue number five is going to be my click of the week for Identity Crisis. Mm-hmm. And I will second that, because it's definitely what, like, and I believe I said this earlier um, in the earlier recording in that what happens in issue five, you know, and this is, that was the, when basically when Jack Drake died and that whole, the whole framing and everything that happens during there, like the way, the way that it was um, put together was, was resonating. So it's like, yeah, that's uh, even, and as much as I hate to say it, even outside of the, the initial death of uh, Sue Dibney, you know, and, the explanation therein, like not that, just issue five just hit, you know, it just hit quite nicely. Got um, it. And with that, I think we, yeah, I think that's it. Pretty much it. Um, actually, if you want to, uh, go ahead and throw an ad read in right here. But no problem. I'll just do wink. Okay. I'll just do wink. It doesn't really. Who doesn't matter. need any wine at this point? Yeah, exactly. We need some wine. This ad is for Wink, our personalized wine club. Wink is a wine is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torronté, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of your of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash Wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c wink wines through cspn do it today 
And with that, folks, we come to the end of another uh, Clock Comic Book Chronicles. Um, next week, we will have new releases. Um, so, so no events this week. Uh, I think we'd actually have, we do have another, we have like probably one last event we said we were going to do next, uh, the week after next, rather. Uh, right. but you know, right. we'll talk we about that last, next week. Uh, well, I think it turns out to be the first week of July. Right. Mm-hmm. But we got new releases, and so we're going to talk about those next week. And so you can join us then for that, hopefully, um, <laughs> complete episode. Um, and with that, folks, I have been Rydercat. You can find me at Rydercat on Twitter. You can find me News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and all those umbrella sites therein. Also, um, the Vine replacement Bytes, B Y T E, under comic reviews, no vowels. And if you don't know what a vowel is, folks, maybe, you know, Schoolhouse Rock is on Disney Plus. Go check that out. Um, also, Tim D O G G 98 on Twitter. Uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. This the K L I Q N A T I O N. Also, theclicknation.com. And of course, Comic Book Resources, where he's over there writing his face off. You can find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. See, I, reversed it. I reversed it last time, but now I put it back in place. Except no one would know that except for just saying this all this time, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> also, you could find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. We will be back next week. Uh, recording live on the Click Nations. Hopefully, actually, you know what? Let me not say that before I actually do it. But on the Click Nations YouTube channel, hopefully, this one will actually stay up. Um, and of course, the audio comes out a day or so later, normally on um, on the, the Coast Lizard. So, and your your like we just said. So, join us, friends, next week's nine thirty. Well, nine nine thirty ish around that time on the YouTubes or afterwards, whenever you choose to, to uh, listen to us. We appreciate it. And with that, uh, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. I love it when the plan comes together. <laughs>